Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. podcast, uh, which will be dropping on a Tuesday, actually, uh, by my co-host Stacy. That's at StacyPatton89. Stacy, how are you doing? Pretty beat, man. It's fucking Monday. Gotta love Mondays. Do you have to love Mondays? Is that a thing that you do? Have to that, love? that was sarcasm. But... <laughs> uh, yes, Monday sucks. Um, especially sucks when... You lose to Tua Tungavailoa, who's fucking awful and sucks ass. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We are going to talk about NBA regular season over-unders. And to do that, we are joined by not even close to a first-time guest, but a many-time guest, or maybe the most frequent guest of the pod. His name is Jeffrey Rasmussen. You know him on Twitter as at FrankBarrett119. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing great. I, uh, as someone who doesn't live a uh, real existence, I, I don't know what you guys are talking about with this case of the Monday stuff. You know, I uh, I played tennis. I walked into Hoboken and got a slice of pizza. It's been a great day for me. So I think y'all gotta join my join my side of the uh, the line here. Um, I mean, I would love to. If you want to uh, teach me how to play poker, well, I could do that. Uh, but before we get started, I do have to make an announcement that the Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There are a number of tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland that I do every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Drew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. as a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, where I rant and rave about the Knicks. You also get access to wonderful weekly premium articles written by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, and sometimes even Jeffrey Rasmussen. There are further tiers. There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and $100 tier. Those come with a variety of additional benefits, like merchandise, merchandise discounts, listening in on pod recordings and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day whether you choose to subscribe or not none of this would be possible without you uh so without further ado uh let's do this let's get into some east eastern conference over unders here uh let's start with uh, a team that has had a hell of a week um the boston celtics uh this number is 53 and a half I believe that's come down uh, after the Ime Udoka, Robert, Ime Udoka's suspension and Robert Williams' injury, uh, which is longer than expected. I'm pretty sure it was at 56.5 earlier, or 55.5 something. Um, so this has come down a little bit. We are using DraftKings, by the way, for all of these. Um, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll go to you guys, but I think I lean over, but I 
probably wouldn't touch this one. Yeah, it's it's pretty high variance. Um, is the talent there? I think so. Um, I think in the regular season, at least, they should be able to weather the um, not having Williams. Um, they have the defenders, too. They don't have the coach. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Um, I think there's like there's definitely some, um, even before all this happened, you know, can you get another year out of Horford like that? Um, but they added, they, added, they added Malcolm Brogdon. Um, I think I would expect Tatum to take another step. Um, I think Brown probably has a little bit of a upward growth left, but um, probably closer to ceiling. Um, gun to my head. What did you say the over-under was? 53 and a half. This is also a bloodbath. Gun to my head, I'd go under. I'd probably put them at 52 or so. And this is a team that even last year was kind of inconsistent. They had a, you know, they, they had a long stretch. Um, they've been up and down for the last couple of years. It's a young team. Um, but um, I would probably put them at 52 wins. Yep. Uh, Jeff, thoughts? I feel pretty confident in saying under. Um, I don't, you know, I, I'm trying to not view this through, you know, Nick's shade glasses. Uh, I I do not like the Celtics very much. I, I don't, uh, yeah, I just don't like them. I don't like anything about them, but um, that's my own stuff. Uh, on an objective level, though, I just, I think the reaction to last season is very misguided. And, like, what would we think about this team if Chris Middleton was just healthy. Like, the fact that DraftKings has them as the title favorites is bananas to me. Um, there are many teams I would bet to win the title straight up versus Boston, which, you know, as you mentioned, I gamble for a living. I understand that the books know more than me, and that's probably flawed, but just the way I'm viewing these teams, I don't see this team as, like, the best team in the league. I don't see this team as the title favorite. I mean, yeah, the, I, I like Brogdon as a player. I would have liked Gallo as a player. I might be a little higher on them if they had Gallo, even though he's older. I, I think he would have brought something they need. Um, but, I mean, let's be frank. Those finals were not a good finals. Like When I was watching, I mean, I thought the Warriors were one of the worst final finals winning teams since the magic of Ona, or excuse me, one of the worst finals winning teams since I was going to say the Celtics were the worst finals appearing team since the magic in 09. I'm trying to think of a team that would be worse than the Warriors as far as a team that won the title. And it's been a long time. Um, I just didn't, I, I, I just, I can't uh, overstate enough how much I don't understand this Celtics line, both from the wins over under and their odds to win the title. Um, I, uh, I'm, I don't know. I, I think the over is probably the way I would lean here, mostly just because I think they have a really good regular season team. Um, and obviously they were pretty good in the playoffs last year too. Uh, although I do agree that they were not a very inspiring, uh, finals team, but, uh, I, I don't know. Like the, the Yudoka thing is weird in the sense, obviously, um, you know, we don't know the specifics of what happened, and I don't really want to speculate on it because it's a potentially very serious thing. Um, but, like, his absence 
will matter. He got a lot of buy-in from them last year, and you know, around mid-January, they seemed to figure something out and really stepped it up to another level. I don't think they lost a home game, um, or they they didn't lose a game to a Western Conference team from January until the finals. Um, they they really dialed it up. Their defense took it to an entirely other level. Um, I thought Tatum really got going after a pretty slow start. Uh, so there's a lot of stuff there to like bet on as if, you know, if you think that they can kind of just lean on that experience and build out from there instead of kind of having to, to start from zero again. Um, but again, like, will they be as bought in without the guy who kind of got them to buy in? And, um, you know, he at least proved himself to be a pretty adept. Uh, I, I thought he was a pretty good in-game coach. I thought his adjustments were good. I liked the adjustment they made with Rob Williams defensively to have him kind of uh, operate more as a help defender. But, like, yes, Al Horford is older, and they're going to have to lean on it. Like, they don't have bigs. You know, like, it's right now, if you look at their roster, Luke Cornett's going to be their backup center for right now. Like, that's just what's happening until Robert Williams uh, is healthy. And... There's a lot of, like, we don't know how healthy Robert Williams is going to be or how long it's going to take. You know, the timeline initially that was given was four to six weeks, uh, but then it comes out that it's going to be eight to 12 weeks after he has surgery. So that's two, two to three months that he's out. Um, and that's just, you know, that's when they said they expect him to get back on the court, uh, not necessarily actually playing, but just starting to do basketball activities. Uh, I, that, I don't know. I, I don't feel great about that. And... Then you have, you know, Brogdon's a nice piece. He's probably going to miss something like 25 games at least, if not more. I don't know. I I still think this team has the chance to go over uh, just because Tatum and Brown are pretty durable or they have been through their careers. Um, and I think they're really good and they're entering their prime, really. Um like you would anticipate that they neither really regresses. If anything, there's a chance both of them take another step um, forward. You know, Marcus Smart is what he is, but he's not going to fall off a cliff or anything. They have a lot of solid pieces that are pretty stable, but the front court situation and then everything going on with Udoka, I, I don't know. I, I lean over, but like I, I would not touch this, I don't think at all. Can, uh, can I just – I just want to say one thing about the Udoka situation. Um, I, again, I'm, I'm exactly like you. I don't want to speculate on anything he did. But why aren't we talking more about how ridiculous it is that they're, like, replacing him with someone with the track record that this new coach has? Like, I don't understand. It's like, it's like, it's like the league is satisfied that they're doing something about Udoka, so they don't care who they replace him with. They just want Udoka out. But – doesn't this new guy have worse skeletons in his closet? Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, I mean, look, he it happened, what, I think in 2009. Um, apparently, Brad Stevens thinks he's learned his lesson and he's a different man. Whatever, I don't know. I, I don't know him. It doesn't feel great. It doesn't look great. It doesn't sound great, um, given everything that's going on with the Udoka thing. But, like, I mean, I just think they've handled the everything – about this really poorly. Um, I don't know who leaked it to Woj, but it was obviously somebody with the Celtics. 
that it didn't look great that they waited kind of like what it was almost a full day after Woj first reported that he was going to get suspended and maybe potentially for a year that this, the the team even released a statement. Um, you know, in the meantime, there was a lot of speculation of who the woman was based on their staff and everything, and it was not great discourse. Um, and, um, you know, like everything today at Media Day, it, it still seemed pretty, you know, I think Jalen Brown said something and then Marcus Smart said something entirely differently. It doesn't seem like the players know all the specifics, which is fine to me, but like, I don't know. It just feels like that's something that you would have discussed with the team and, you know, given them kind of like, this is the standard line we're going to go with because this is a messy situation. You know, just give them kind of a talking point to lean on so that they don't have to answer these questions and think up uh, of what their answers should be. There were some weird quotes from Marcus Smart that didn't sound too great. I, I don't know. I just, I don't like a lot of the stuff going on with that team right now. The vibes don't seem particularly great, which is understandable given everything that's going on. Um, but like, I don't know. It's it's a weird team. They are super, they are really talented. So like, you know, I agree that East is a lot better, but I kind of feel like they're probably the best team in the Atlantic. But I, I don't know. It's just, I wouldn't want to touch this. I I like would love if they hit the under, but I still kind of believe they're going to be over. I mean, if Tatum is as good as people think he is, then this is a to me like they should still be able to cover the over here. Um, you know, he's getting some MVP buzz. I actually like some of his MVP odds because I actually feel like the Udoka. I mean, not that this is a great thing, but like with everything going on with Udoka, um, there's a strong chance for him to be like get a good narrative if he can kind of bolster the team and lead them to challenging for, you know, top seed in the East or something. Uh, I think he'll have a lot of momentum. So I like that. I, I just, I don't know, over under to me, again, I lean over, but I, there's so many reasons to, to like the under here also that um, can't be ignored, obviously. They're also just really thin. I mean, you mentioned Robert Williams, but they have, they have eight, Eight, I guess if you count Peyton Pritchard, eight reliable rotation players. So that, I mean, okay, so they prioritize wins and they go with a shorter rotation. Okay, now injuries are more likely when you have guys playing major minutes every single night. I mean, you're, you, you can't, they can't, sur- I mean, they can survive, but in terms of this, uh, this win total, this over-under, they're one more injury away from, you know, being huge dogs to hit the over. So, I mean, it's just really tough when Peyton Pritchard's your eighth man and you have one true center to be an elite team in a tough conference. Um, I agree with you about Tatum. I think he's really good. I actually, uh, funnily enough, listened to our pod from last year about the over-unders and you two were just so much more right about Tatum than me. So I'm happy to eat some crow and just say I was wrong and he's really good. (laughs) And and yeah, I mean, if he is in the MVP conversation, of course, anything's possible. But as you were just saying before I rudely interrupted you, um, there's just so many, so much that can go wrong for a team this thin, in my opinion. Um, Yeah, yeah. I mean, I look, we... 
there's just a lot going on here. But I again, I would say over on this, but I, I would also like not recommend anybody take this. I just don't. I think the line is pretty. It's pretty on the nose. So um, yeah, I, I don't love the that too much. But uh, let's move on to our New York Knickerbockers. 39 and a half. Um, Stacey, I think last week uh, you were pretty bullish on what this team could do, relatively speaking. Um, so I will uh, let you explain why the over is the player. Sorry, which team? The Knicks. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty simple. Um, I would take the over there. I wouldn't say I'm that bullish on this team. Um, but they won, they won 37 games last year. Um, and they added a guy who I think is a really good, I think Jalen Brunson is a really good player. Um, you know, so we can talk about all of the things that you and I have talked about a lot in terms of what concerns about this team, even this concern about this team long-term. Um, but did they really lose anyone of consequence? No. And they added Brunson. So, so they turned Burks into out into Jalen Brunson. That's a big up. Um, you know, there might be some defensive lost there, but the shot creation, and particularly late game shot creation, you think would go up a lot. Um, whatever they get out of Derrick Rose is basically gravy at that point. Um, now, the, what would give me pause is if they do what we're all talking about and you know end up trading guys, not because I think that would severely impact how good the team is, but they would lose some of that depth that they have right now. Uh, you know, if the Knicks were to get rid of Fournier, Rose, and Randall, you might not be able to say they still have the best bench in the league because some of those bench guys would be starters. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, you had 37 wins. Do I think Jalen Brunson is, and and maybe, you know, more games from Derrick Rose, a year older, RJ quickly, um, top in. I mean, even Randall can't possibly be any worse. Um do I think that's worth one and a half wins? Yeah. Is the East better? Sure. Um, but I thought the Knicks played most of the good teams on our schedule pretty tough. Um, and I think they, I think they also should be better. Even with, even Tibbs can't fuck up. I think, you know, the bucket getting that Jalen Brunson gives you in the fourth quarter, I'm going to go over. Do I think they're more than a play in team right now? No, but I do think they win more than 30 and a half games. Um, Jeff, yeah, I, <clears throat> I'm just going to say over. Um, I think, Stacy, everything you said was spot on. I have a lot of thoughts that probably don't belong on this pod after today's media day um, regarding Thibodeau, just because I think this season's going to, for the sake of the Knicks franchise going forward, be uninspiring. Um, but if there's one thing Thibodeau does, it's he raises your floor. He he is the ultimate floor raising coach. Like it doesn't matter who they put out there; they're not gonna not win. You know, they're they're not gonna win less than thirty games. You know, um, I I really like Brunson. He's really good. Um. And they have a lot of players who, you know, just correlate with winning basketball, who at least have to play, have to play at least 
some minutes, so that's good. Um, like Stacy said, Randall can't get much worse. RJ should make a leap quickly, and Obi should continue to get better. And at the end of the day, this was a 37-win team last season that had a neutral net rating. Um, now, some detractors, including me, will point out that uh, Pythag win-loss is kind of flawed, and even though point differential says that the Knicks were a 42-win team that won 37, I would say that they actually deserve to win 37 because their coach was horrendous down the stretch of lots of games. Will he get better at that this season, or will he just, instead of giving the ball to Alec Burks, give the ball to Jalen Brunson? Which, I, in fairness, probably still is better, right? It is, it is better. No, I agree. And that's part of the reason I'm going to go over. Um, so, yeah. I mean, there's, there's so many... Uh, Interesting things to talk about with the Knicks, in my opinion. Uh, that, but that doesn't have anything to do with this podcast. So I'm just going to say over. Um, I, I think if I, I probably won't take the Knicks this year. Um, I've got the over the last two years. I went, didn't get it last year. Didn't get it the year before. Um, I think I would probably go under on this one. Uh, I don't love. I don't know. I don't love Tibbs being the coach of this team. I don't love that it feels like he's going to get to like he is going to get I think at least 25 games minimum um even if they are even if they were to fire him I don't think he is capable of maximizing this roster not because he's a bad coach but because I this is a team that doesn't have a superstar doesn't have a star necessarily even and I think there shouldn't be necessarily a set rotation the way that Tibbs is almost certain to set his team up with a set rotation because that is what he does. Um, I think it's it's a team that would be best served r- riding with whoever has it going on a certain night, be it a specific player, groups, whatever. Uh, we've seen over two years that he doesn't have the ability to adapt Uh the in the face of new evidence um you know if it was alfred payton two years ago was kemba and burks last year like there's always something there's always something or a few things that he will lean in lean on and despite any and all evidence will will continue to uh kind of try to make it work try to force it to work uh i i don't love that i feel like Another issue with this team is uh, I think the front office has – they have not done enough to pare down the roster. If you look at it, there's probably about 12 or 13 guys that are all reasonable, at the very least, rotation players in the NBA. You're obviously not going to have a 12 or 13-man rotation. Um, and I think in some ways they have set Thibodeau up to fail in that sense uh, because he's just not the coach to manage over a team like that. Um, if you had a Ty Lue, I think it's totally different because Ty Lue kept like 13 different guys happy last year uh, and they nearly snuck into the playoffs even though Paul George and Kawhi Kawhi Leonard didn't play at all and Paul George played, I think, five games. You know who else kept 13 different guys happy? Your Your mother. Your mother. Yes, your mom. Yes. Um, But I don't know. I just don't like that mix. I, I 
it, it feels, I don't know, it, this, I'm really, I hate being this pessimistic about it, but like, I kind of feel like I'm, I'm pretty worried that this season is going to be a write off because they won't fire Tibbs until like 25 or 30 games. And with how much of a bloodbath the East is going to be this year, um, you might, it might be a situation where you're already kind of, uh, you're already too in too deep a hole to even salvage anything at that point. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, I, I mean, it, it feels weird to be so pessimistic about it because I do think that like the Jalen Brunson upgrade is re- very real. I think people are underestimating how much Hartenstein helps this team also because if you like look back at the minutes last year, the Taj and Noel minutes were killers. Um, they were they were really bad for us and Hartenstein gives us and even Sims I think until later in the season it took him a while to really get adjusted right so yeah yeah and so like I just think those minutes are going to be huge they're they're definitely a net plus but um I just think that like the Knicks are a better team but the East is also way better now and I don't know if they've done enough to offset all the, like how I don't know if they've done enough to kind of make up as much ground as other teams have with what they did. Uh, and again, like the, my main concern here is the Tibbs and the Randall of it all, which can't be, you know, I think they're almost intertwined. Uh, and I just, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't feel great to me and I'm worried about that. And I'm worried that our front office isn't going to be quick on the trigger uh, if things really do go sideways to start the season. Sure. But I think if you look at the East, right? Um, for them, like, I think we're talking about, they really only need a couple of teams ahead of them to get worse. Um, I think they're better than the Bulls. I think they're better than the Bulls last year. Uh, Lonzo is out. I don't, I think he was very important to the Bulls when they were playing well. Um, and then you have the Hornets who, um, you know, they, they don't seem to be in very good shape either. Um, so there's a couple of teams that at least got worse. Brooklyn's a shit show. Um, the other teams got better, but, um, I still think, um, I mean, I would pick the Knicks probably to finish, um, ninth right now. And I think that's, I don't think they can do that without winning, um, you know, 40, 42 games, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, I just, I don't know. I'm, I actually think they're just going to get the shit kicked out of them by the top eight teams a lot. I mean, if you go through the schedule from last year, um, okay, so they split with Boston, which I think, looking back at it, that was probably a favorable outcome for the Knicks. They got swept by the Nets. Thibodeau hasn't beaten the Nets in two years, which is insane to me, considering that Nash is actually an atrocious coach, and they've had God knows how much drama in that time. Uh, they've also lost, like, so many of those games have been super close, so it's kind of crazy they've won one. Uh, the Raptors, they beat the Knicks three out of four times. Uh, the one time they lost was the final game of the season. Uh, 76ers, they split with the Knicks, uh, but if you look back at those games, the first two games uh, were early in the season. Sixers had a lot of guys out. I don't know. I just, if you go down the list, I just think, like, there's just as much reason to like again, like I think the Knicks have improved. I agree with you. I think they're better than Chicago. 
I'm actually pretty down on Chicago. I don't think we'll, we'll talk about them in a bit, but I, I don't love anything about their off season. Um, but it's like, you know, look, I think the Celtics, Nets, Raptors, Sixers, Bucks, Cavs are all definitely better. Is that seven teams? Should be seven teams. Hawks. You think you forgot the Hawks? I don't think the Hawks are definitely right. better. So, okay. So, but I'm saying, so there's seven, I said eight, whatever, seven. Um, but that's my point is like, I would say that like, if you look from a standings perspective, I think two teams are, that were, that finished higher than the Knicks are worse than them this year. Um, and, um, so that's the Bulls and Hornets. Yeah. Uh, unless LaMelo takes a leap. Um, but yeah. So if you add that in, like, um, you know, I think that unless you think like there's just going to be a, a major drop off and the teams up top are just going to win a whole lot more dramatically like i i think that um yeah i mean would i be excited if they get the nine seed and you know it's you know the things that we've talked about that aren't the greatest no i wouldn't be but i anyway, if i'm taking this bet i'm taking over i think where it could really go south is yeah like tibbs gets fired 25 to 30 games in and then the front office is like well we we're gonna commit to a youth movement and again i think that would actually be good for wins Probably not enough to overcome if they've really fallen behind early in the season. And also, they would lose one of the strengths of the team, which is depth. Um, like, if you, if they had a coach like Ty Lue, that's probably the best outcome for this team. Um, especially if they're keeping Randall and those guys, because it's not really that you want to... like the, Having depth is a good thing if you can use it properly, right? Uh, there is there is also one other t- thing that I've been thinking about. This is a Rihanna I had kind of in the back of my head all day before... Um, a lot of people, talk, like, I think a lot of the conversation around Randall is, you know, on one side you have people saying, as long as he buys in, because I think everyone agrees that we don't want him ISOing as much anymore. So you have one side of fans saying, as he can, as long as he buys in, he's still capable of being really good. You have another side saying, uh, he's not going to buy in, right? Uh, and I think both sides, like, kind of missed the point, which is to say, like, even if he wants, like, I don't think he's necessarily opposed to playing that way. Maybe he is. But even if he isn't, it's hard to just change, right? And I think it cheapens kind of things that Obi gives you, right? I think people ultimately just think, like, Obi just tries hard. Um, but it's really, like, you know, buying into that off-ball role isn't enough, right? Like, the instincts, the way you, you look at the floor, your habits, there's a lot that it, you can't really just change overnight. And, you know, as much as, and, and motor is a skill too, right? Um, so Randall might be as committed as ever. Um, but I think that just assuming that that means he's going to be able to be this off-ball role player, we'll see. But that's not enough. There's real skills there that, that he hasn't shown in, in at least a few years. So, end rant. Yeah, but he, the, the, he's not going to do that. But, but, but my, he, my point is, like, even if he was bought in, like, we're talking about it as if it's just something that, oh, it's just flick a switch. Which I think cheapens yeah. how good Obi top. Like, it's not just that Obi tries hard, right? It's like it's real. There's real abilities that he has that most players don't. Yeah, especially between the ears, he's one of the fastest processors I've ever seen, and I'll say that forever. The way he gets the ball and immediately knows where he's going or where the ball is going, the way he gets the ball on the wing without an advantage and just takes a single dribble and creates an advantage for a teammate. You can't just do that. That's that's natural skill that he has. And it's 
he would just be so perfect for the starting lineup for what we're trying to do. It's so frustrating. Um, but Randall still sees himself as the guy. And maybe that raises this exact group ceiling. Like maybe if Randall shoots as hot as he did in 2020 or 2021, we're better than if Obi plays his best version of himself or whatever. But is anyone really willing to bet on that? And if you're not willing to bet on Randall being, you know, a godlike shooter like he was two seasons ago, and you have Brunson and you have RJ, and RJ is the team and the franchise's most important player, then you want guys next to them who will elevate them and who can contribute without dominating the ball and who can make quick decisions. That is Obi Toppin. I mean, I, I heard uh, Benji say on a – I forget where I heard him say this. It was a different pod, I think. But he was talking about how he thinks that Thibodeau's goal for this season is to break even with the starting lineup so that the bench can win the games. And, like, I don't disagree that that is right, like what Ben is saying Tibbs's goal is. But that is just so preposterous if that's how Tibbs actually sees building a basketball team. Like, do we have a better chance of winning 42 games instead of 40? Sure, Thibodeau is really good at that. But you're not building towards anything. You're just... Why is the bench such a lock to win their minutes? Because they're really good at basketball. So you don't keep them in that role, especially Tibbs' version of that role, which is one single sub per half. That's what bench guys get. They don't ever come out of the game and then back in the game. If you're coming off the bench, you come in the game once, and you're either playing well enough to finish the half, which he did with Rose all the time last year until Rose's legs fell off, or you come out and you don't come back in. That is Tibbs' rotation, that, or his idea of a rotation. So if Tibbs sees the bench as this super unit who will always win their minutes, which they have done for two straight seasons, largely led by Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, they should, he, sh he should mix up his rotations, like Schwinn was saying earlier, and find ways for them to play more. But we it's know also like you're not playing the same team every night, right? Like there's right. such a thing as adjusting. So you want to talk about we play every game to win tonight, right? Well, that probably means that you should tailor your, your, what you're doing to, he does that a little bit at times. Um, but it's usually very simplistic things like, well, we're we need to play Alec Burks more because Cade Cunningham is six, eight, right. Um, or like in terms of, you know, just kind of creative strategies that might beat a specific team. Um, you don't see that as much, right? So. And to, uh, expand on that. Half the teams in the league, Randall and Obi, would suffice as bigs playing together. And they've played under 300 minutes together in the last two seasons. And it, it was somewhat understandable, I think, year one, because they were trying to establish an identity, right? I totally get that. And I think that was good for the Knicks, at least that year. Now it's year three, and there has been continuity, right? Now is the time where you want to start to see... Um, you want to see more of that, you know, they've had enough time to experience and explore the space of what's possible with these guys and to get comfortable in those roles. So um, I think that you'd want to, um, you'd want to see more of that, but 
talked a lot about the Knicks. Um, I think me and Jeff are definitely a little bit more bullish on them than you, Schwinn. It is. I mean, I'd be I'd be pretty bullish on them if they just had done a couple more things in the offseason. I mean, I like what they did. I just am not a huge fan of the Tibbs Randall dynamic. Uh, that part just really worries me. So um, I think they could definitely go over. Uh, that would totally shock me at all. I just I don't know. I, I logically I think you guys are right that there's more reason to buy the over here than the under. But like, I think my concern is a lot to do with kind of the vibes, I guess you could say, and just how Tibbs will manage it all. And I'm not super sold on it. So, um, all right, let's move on. We've t- enough time on the New York Knickerbockers. Let's go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn is at 50 and a half. Uh, I personally, I faded them last year. I think that was, I had them as an under. I think I still kind of just like the under here, not because, do they have the talent to go over? Absolutely. Like no doubt about it they you know ben simmons is he is what he is uh i don't want to go into the ben simmons thing but like if he plays he's a super impactful regular season player you know he can help you win a lot of regular season basketball games there's no doubt about that kyrie uh and kevin durant are obviously two stars uh, superstars in the case of kevin durant um but like neither is durable you know health is always a question mark with these guys i would suspect that both of them will have scheduled rest days as well um given they're both older uh durant 34 kyrie i think is 30 now uh so that part worries me i think nash is a pretty bad coach um i don't like their center situation is pretty depressing like i know nick claxton is kind of like an intriguing player but he's somebody who routinely gets abused by bigger centers. Uh, the East, obviously, somebody like Joel Embiid exists, and the East in general has some good big guys. So I I don't know. I don't love that. I still think that, like, some of the issues they had last year had to do with losing a lot of experience on the bench. Um, you know, the year before, they had Mike D'Antoni and Ime Udoka working as assistants under Nash. Both of them are gone. Uh, I don't care for the guys they have on the staff other than that. Um, and I still just don't buy that, like, everything is wonderful there. Um, it's cool that, great for them that KD decided that he didn't want to trade. Um, but I still think that there's stuff there to be worried about, um, and that things could really be stuff for them. Yeah, I mean, this is just a bet I would stay away from. It's an ultimate high-variance team. Um... I mean, look, if everything clicks, right, they might be asked, they still could have a case as the most talented team, even in the East, right? Um, you know, if Durant gets back to being a top five player, Kyrie Irving, I think, is at this point still even a little bit underrated as a defender. He's capable of playing like a top 15, top 10 player. And then you have Simmons, who, in theory, can complement them really well. Um, you know, if they get creative, even some small ball lineups around Simmons with those shooters could be really interesting. Um, like he's really capable, you know, just with all the scoring talent around him of of really maximizing his game. Um, but KD's constant health risk at this point. Um, Kyrie, you know, who knows if he's going to, um, you know, find another reason to not play this year, um, and. Those two things just limit the ceiling a little bit. 
if I had to bet on what was more likely, um, it's interesting. So what, what did you say the over under was? Uh, it's 50 and a half. Right. So if I had to make an expected value, I would probably go higher than that. But if I had to say like, that's probably because I think there's outcomes that are like in the sixties for them. Um, like a not like for most teams with a fifty over under, I think they have a higher density in that sixty plus win range than most of them. If everything just clicks, but it's more likely more outcomes are have KD missing a significant chunk of time, Simmons taking a while to to really get acclimated, um, and the defense not um, defense really having some off nights. So I would go with the under. But um, that, that's just a tough. That's just a very high variance one. So, you just made such a good point that I feel like anyone who's listening to this, if you're into betting at all, so many people don't understand that aspect of it, and it comes into play specifically with player props all the time. So you'll see a receiver with an over under for yards on Sunday, and it'll be like. Devonta Smith, let's take Devonta Smith because he just had a huge game. It'll be like Devonta Smith over under 47 and a half. Playing for the best and, team in football too. Yeah. And somebody will look at that number and be like, oh my God, it's so easy for Devonta Smith to go over 47 and a half. That's so low. His, his ceiling is so high. Snap over. But, and, and they might even look at, oh, he's averaging X yards per game for his career and that, and X is higher than 47 and a half. But when you're betting a bet like this, Range of outcomes is everything. Average is not what you're looking at. So I was going to say literally exactly what you said. I think that their average is over 50 and a half because I think you could make the argument that Brooklyn has the highest ceiling in the league. Um, I think they could win 65 games if everything goes right. If Durant and Kyrie commit and stay healthy, if Ben Simmons is back, you know, there, there's tons of stuff to like about this team. They actually sneakily have some depth that allows them to survive. Like, Royce O'Neal's a pretty good player. Um, Brian Windhorse voice, why did Utah just give him away? You know? <laughs> um, uh, they have Seth Curry. Um, they just, I mean, whatever. They have the corpse of Markeith Morris. They have TJ Warren. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think they're getting Joe Harris back. I think that this team has an incredibly high ceiling. But, you know, the average VIG on an over-under bet is like minus 110. Usually it's, it's usually in that range. So they need to win over 50 and a half games 52% of the time or more for it to be a good bet. Do I think that they're going to win over 50 and a half games 52 or more percent of the time? Absolutely not. I just, exactly what Stacy said, there's just too many outcomes where something goes wrong. And it becomes a mess. Um, so yeah, I you could not pay me to bet the over, even though I do think, like I said, they have a very high ceiling and it could all go well. I would bet the under if I had to bet. Yeah, uh, I think that pretty much nails that. I this is another one. I mean, I feel like a huge coward at this point because I basically said I wouldn't bet on any of these, but I would not touch this really. Um, and if I was, I would go under. But I. Again, I wouldn't feel great about it because, like, all it takes is if Simmons is, you know, when he, again, when he's been on the floor, he's generally been a very durable player, uh, or a mostly durable player. He raises the floor. If you get 
60 games of KD, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons, you know, just 60 uh, for each of them, I feel like that's a team that should go over, but it's impossible to say that with any confidence that will happen. You know, we know that with this team, there's been endless drama over three years. I think they've finished, I'm pretty sure they've missed their over-under. They've, they've finished under the last three years. Um, so uh, history says that, you know, given the key players in this team, you're probably better off going under. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I, I probably wouldn't touch this one. So um, it is what it is. All right, let's move on uh, to the Toronto Raptors. Uh, 45 and a half. I got to say, I think this one was like spot on, but I think I would go under on this. That's my thought, but I don't, again, don't feel necessarily great about that. Uh, I think under, but I'm open to having my mind changed. Um, I'm going to pop in real quick just because I have a question for you guys that I'd like to answer. Um, I would go under too. Um, I don't like their depth, but I don't think it matters very much because Nurse is a Tibbs-like psycho um, with minutes. Uh, but still, you're you know playing playing a dangerous game if somebody gets hurt, as we learned with the Raptors last season. Um, but my question for you guys is: when there was the Rising Stars game at last year's All Star break, Precious Achua made the team, and Obi Toppin didn't, if I recall correctly. And I remember looking at a bunch of stats and Precious Achua was having one of the worst seasons I had ever seen. And now it's the off season and I'm seeing tons of people that I absolutely respect talking about this leap Achua made and how like good a player he is. So can one or both of you enlighten me and tell me why he is an intriguing player and what he does well? Because based on the limited my limited statistical and film watching, I just don't get it. Yeah, so um, I have a feeling. Well, I think Trin was a, a precious guy before. Um, before the, not that he's not a precious guy now, but he was a precious guy before the draft. Um, so I mean, I think it's the case is pretty simple. He shot thirty six percent from three. He can switch at least one through four, maybe one through five. He's got the athleticism to to alter shots at the rim. Um, and he's on a team with a pedigree of churning those guys out and turning them into high-level playoff-proof players. Uh, I think coming out of college, the biggest athleticism has never been in question. Has some intriguing ball handling skills. That was never the question when he came out of the draft. The question was always, can he shoot? Um, and I think his shot selection needs some work. He wasn't efficient, but he did shoot. He shot. 36% from three on two attempts, two, two three-point attempts a game, 24 minutes. That's solid volume. That that archetype is going to be useful. And um, and I do think he's a pretty impactful defender, especially in that scheme. So um, that's my answer there, Shwin. I don't know if you'd add anything on Precious specifically. Uh, I mean, I think towards the end of the year, Precious, uh, he really started to show out a little bit more. I'm not saying he's like some star, but... Uh, he's pretty switchable on defense, which I think is very appealing, especially given kind of how creative Nick Nurse is defensively. So he's kind of a weapon in that sense. Um, and uh, he also, uh, he started shooting the ball a little bit better towards the end of the season. Now, is that sustainable or is that one of those weird blips? 
I don't know. It's funny with Obi Toppin, everyone says it's not sustainable. So, right, right. So I don't know about that stuff. I think there's something there, but I mean, like, I agree. I just I don't love their depth. I did like. Otto Porter Jr. was a nice pickup. He's a guy who has a lot of injury history. Um, you know, he missed time during the playoffs even last year, right, with Golden State. I like that they got Thad Young and they kept him, but, like, I don't know how much that matters. Their center situation still feels pretty bad to me. Like, not that they are awful, but it's definitely a weak spot. Um Offensively, they don't have great spacing. They kind of just get away with it because they have really good players and they are so good at defense. And Nick Nurse is kind of like a really good in-game tactician. So he's able to scheme around some of their deficiencies. But like, I don't love the spacing. I do. Siakam was awesome the second half of last year. Is he going to be that guy or is he going to be a little bit less, uh, you know, he's an he wasn't an all-star last year, but he was all NBA, if I remember correctly. So kind of a weird year he had, um, but he's really good. You know, he's a guy who definitely is in the mix for top 15 type of player, right? Um, Fred Van Vliet, he'll be healthy after he kind of broke down towards the end of last season. Can they get something out of Malachi Flynn? I don't know. Um, he's a guy I liked in that draft a couple years ago, but he hasn't gotten much opportunity with under Nick Nurse. Um, I'm not saying he definitely deserves it or anything, but he just hasn't gotten it, so I have no clue. Uh, I like Gary Trent Jr. That's a, It's also a contract here for him, so that's probably that's a guy who's going to be very motivated to, to have a big year. Um, but I don't know. I just don't... Again, the East is really good, and you probably... It's like some... They, I think it's fair to say they overachieved last season. Um, I know people love Scotty Barnes, and he did, he he definitely surprised as a rookie, like with how quickly he was able to produce. I don't know if you can bank on him making another leap this season. Uh, I, I don't even think it's a problem if he doesn't. Like you know, their t- you know development and growth isn't linear, so um, I think it's possible that he's. You know, what if he averaged last year, like 17 and 6 or something like that? Like, if he does that again, I don't see how that's a problem. That's probably still a good thing for a second-year player. Um, so I, I I don't know. I just – I don't think that they – they didn't add anything to me that makes me believe they'll have the same success or more success this season. Uh, I think they will make the playoffs. Pretty, I'm pretty confident they'll make the playoffs. I think they could be the seventh team, though. They could be in, in a playing spot. So, I don't know. I, I'm i not down on them, really, but I just think that this line, if I'm going to bet it, I would take the under. But, again, this is another one where I'm probably not going to touch this. Yeah, I would – Um, this is a tough one. I, um, I know I'm probably in the minority among some of the Strickland folks, but I am pretty high on Scotty Barnes. I don't think it's out of the question he could make a – second year leap um i think if they get healthy uh that should help them uh, with respect to last year it's less about precious to me um i think barnes is really the guy um i think siakam is an upper echelon talent oh um so who would you guys take between siakam and donald mitchell 
Jeff? I would take... This is just fully going forward yet, yeah. or for next season? Yeah. Oh, um, I guess either, but just let's say for next season for now. I would take... Boy, that's a good question. I would take Donovan Mitchell, I believe. Yeah, oh. I would take Donovan Mitchell. Interesting. Um, I, I personally lean towards Siakam being a little bit better. I think um, I just I love the different looks they can throw at pe- people. They play really hard every night. Uh, they got length, and I think they have. That's the same thing I'm going to say with the Cavs. It's like, um, could it be the? I'm, I'm saying Barnes is definitely going to become a superstar. No, but with these teams, right? And I, I think that applies to the Knicks too, right? The Knicks have three or four year guys. Like, is that? A, do you bet on a leap? Maybe not. But that leap being in there kind of changes your outcomes a little bit um, because they don't necessarily have the same distribution of improvement as everybody else. Um, so I'm going to say that about quickly or RJ or Obi. I think those are definitely within the realm of outcomes. I have to say about Scotty because I thought he was very impressive last year, maybe overhyped in some parts of the internet. But this is 6'10 guy who can get to the rim, who's a great passer, um, very switchable on defense. He should be even better next year on defense. Uh, yeah, I think that um, that tips it over for me to uh, I'm gonna say the over. I agree with you about Barnes, by the way. I uh, I think people are too reactionary on Twitter specifically. Like they base what they feel about someone based on what other people feel about them, which is I know it's normal, but it's weird to me. Um, I think Barnes is really good. Um, the big thing for me, Schwinn talked about their centers, but I mean. I like Van Vliet and Gary Trent, but do they have a backup guard besides Malachi Flynn? Are they just going to play the three of them all the guard minutes? Are they going to play OG at shooting guard sometimes? Like, what is Evan their Fournier. other solution? Excuse me? Evan Fournier? Yeah, I mean, I don't... They have something called Delano Banton, who I, I remember him, but I don't... He's a he's a Twitter darling. He was from he's like yeah. a bigger point guard type, but he's like six eight, isn't he? He's a big guy. Six is seven. he gonna is he gonna be in their opening night rotation though? I don't. And he's not really a shooter. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think the solution to that um, is just they have Otto, right? So you can play him at the four. Um, you can play Scotty Barnes as your functional point guard, right? I mean, you can probably put him on a good amount of ones, so. By the way, the Knicks should the Knicks should do that rotation with IQ. Uh, if they didn't have Rose, obviously, but if they didn't have Rose, they could have just ran a three guard rotation and had uh, Brunson, Grimes, and quickly play a hundred percent of the guard minutes, and it would have been fine. But yeah, Toronto's weird. They're like a terrible defensive rebounding team, but they didn't, they were an elite offensive rebounding team. They were second in offensive rebound percentage last year. Um, that's kind of how they juice their offense. Because they don't have again, like outside of Gary Trent Jr. and Van Vliet, they don't have a ton of shooting. Um, but they get a lot of second chance opportunities. They're really good about that. Um, they're also just a nightmare on defense. And I feel like if you're really good on defense, that it always gives you a solid base consistently, game to game. Um, and then you know, with the fact they have a guy like Siakam who. Look, at his best, that guy's top 15 player. He's an all-star. He's really, really good, like, just a really good player. You know, he's made an all-NBA team now. He's the answer um, to the question, what if Julius Randle was not just a one-hit wonder? 
Yeah, yeah, you could argue that. And uh, I think with that and the fact that I think Nurse is probably like a top three or five coach in the league, especially when you're talking about in-game adjustments. Um, so I, it feels weird to take the under here because I just said, gave a lot of reasons why they're good and why they maybe the over would hit. But like, yeah, I just, I it feels like they're a bit stagnant. Um with the roster this offseason, and so I think they'll still be good, but maybe a little bit worse than they were last year. Uh, but I will say, like, I think historically the over with this team has paid out um, since Masai came in. Uh, aside, aside from the weird COVID year where they were playing Tampa, they've been pretty consistent about hitting the over. So uh, historically, I'm going against the grade, and I'm probably going to end up looking very stupid. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that would be but um, I, I'd like to uh, just hop in real quick and say one thing. Me and Stacy last year talked about um, their spacing. We got into a, a we we took opposite sides, and I do think one thing that is important to point out is even though they don't really have natural shooters because they're so well coached, they actually have good functional spacing. And what I mean by that is everyone is a willing quick shooter, and these d- defenses, even as well-coached as a lot of them are, they're not robots. And if Siakam is going to fire any time he's catching the ball open, even if the season-long percentage is only, you know, 31 to 36%, he's going to get respect from defenses, and they're going to close out on him. And that pays off in the long run, and I think that's why lineups with Siakam do well and look better spaced than they should be theoretically. Um because they're just a really smart team and they know the right shots to take. Um, yeah, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know. I Again, the, the Raptors are just a weird team. I, I kind of feel like people were underrating them last year. I definitely did um, a bit. But now... I don't know. I, I don't want to say they're overrated because it's not like anybody's hyping them up. Um, but they just feel like the seventh best team in the conference. And is the seventh best team in the conference going to win 46 games? I don't know. I I mean, look, I, I'm going to have to start putting some overs on here because right now I just got fucking three unders and one over. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just think that they're still a good team. Still doing fine, but they're kind of in an in-between phase, and I'm not sure they did anything to to make me feel good about the upside of the over. Uh, I want to say they were pretty healthy last year overall, too, especially their key players. So I wonder if that's something that, you know, maybe they have a bit less injury luck this year. I don't know. Those are some things to consider. Uh, and, you know, they have OG Ananobi, who apparently is the greatest player um, that has never – fucking done anything that matters. Shout out um, Tyrese. Yes, shout out Tyrese. He, uh, he hit that game winner in the playoffs of the uh, COVID year. The bubble bubble game winner. Yes. Against Boston. <laughs> um, it's true, he did do that. He's a good player. Um, you know, he's just, uh, you know, he, he's not that exciting to me anyway. Uh, all right, let's move on. Let's go to uh, the 76ers. 50 and a half is their over-under. 
I like I like the over here. I kind of love this over, man. I, I I'll probably I'm I'm gonna take this one. I already did take it. Um, so all uh, all transparency. I like this a lot. I I don't really understand why the line is this low. Uh, their roster is better. I don't think Embiid's performance has fallen off a cliff at all. I think Maxi is a guy who one he can be better. I also buy that this is a team like what does a Maxi, Tobias Harris, and a first round pick? What is that package? Because can that get you a star or something at the deadline? Um, you know, is it possible that a team like Washington kind of decides you know we need to move on from the Beal thing? Would they do that? I'm not even saying that necessarily that that's a move the Sixers should make. I just saying I think they have possibilities to to really upgrade even more of the roster. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I love DeAnthony Melton. He's always been an awesome plus minus guy. Uh, PJ Tucker, really good addition. And, uh, Daniel House, who is like, you know, he's not a special player or anything, but he just gives them a three and D guy. And they just didn't have a lot of those last year. Their defense was really bad last year. Um, or relatively speaking. And, um, I think they've made really significant upgrades. I, kind of buy that Harden is going to have a better year. I think he like, I I don't think we're getting MVP Harden ever again. Um, which, thank God because fucking loser. Uh, but I do think we're going to get a better version of Harden. Can he make like a second or third team type? Is he capable of that level of performance? I think he can do that maybe this year. Um, I, I don't know. I, I just, I think this is a really solid over the only thing that concerns me is probably like doc is like tibbs very weird with his hockey lineup type substitution patterns but um you know doc also has a strong and long record of being a really good regular season coach whatever we think about it in the playoffs so um yeah i I would go over here and i think this is one of my favorites uh on the entire board The NFL's opening week was action-packed, and it's just getting started. Get ready for week two of touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. It's simple. This Sunday, bet on any NFL team to win. If your team leads by 10 at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if your team loses. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any of any football game. That's code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of JID, and it's been great. One reason it's been great to listen to, because I use my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips for the perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, and they will not budge. Trust me. Raycon's give you 8 hours of playtime and a 32-hour battery life. Raycons are priced just right. You get quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. 
It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews. I personally just love the, uh, the, the earbud tap functions. Those are really nice. Uh, the awareness mode is also great because as soon as you turn on your little Bluetooth thing on the phone, it automatically locks in. And uh, let me tell you, I go on a run every single day. I can't hear anything uh, when I have these in. So highly recommend, have enjoyed my usage of them. Uh, go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15 to get 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. Buyraycon.com, code TBPN15. Small thing that would worry me as a Sixers fan is I could see Doc falling in love with Montrez Harrell and Paul Reed being the one who gets hurt by that. And Paul Reed is just a permanent darling. Um, he just has been really good in limited minutes when he plays. And Harold is always is kind of the opposite. He's kind of like uh, this generation's JJ Hickson, <laughs> just super inflated rebound numbers. And his teams have never performed well with him on the court, even though he largely comes off the bench. Uh, so yeah, I, I think that's one thing that could hurt them. But they go, you know, eleven, twelve deep. Uh, which will, it's going to help them for the playoffs, but it's also going to help them for the regular season. Um, I think Embiid's really mad that he didn't win one of the last two MVPs. And he's just so good. I could just see him coming out with an even bigger chip on his shoulder. Um, This is going to sound weird, but I think PJ Tucker being there is going to really help Tobias Harris. Um, I mean, let's be honest, Harris has just made too much money in his career, but he's a good basketball player. And I think with him largely playing stretch four, I think that he was kind of out of his comfort zone. uh, I do think he should still play some stretch four, but if Tucker's starting, which I expect him to, and he's like the perfect four next to Tobias Harris... He's going to simultaneously create space for Harris and allow Harris to match up with smaller threes. Um, And I just think that's his natural comfort zone. So, you know, I know people laugh at the idea of betting on Tobias Harris, but along with Harden, I could just see him having a bounce back season. Um, Maxie's really good. And yeah, I just think they're going to be really, really good. It wouldn't surprise me if the Sixers are the one seed. And I think that's an interesting, that's a really good point to bring up. It's like, we often think of these guys like, well, there's not a spacing issue because someone like Tobias Harris can shoot, right? But that doesn't mean it's really the best use of their abilities. Um, I I tend to like the over too. Um, um, I, I don't think this is me liking the over is as spicy as what like Doc Rivers likes on Twitter. But, um, but it's for many of the same reasons as you guys. Um, interested to see if Harden comes back with a with a bag of potato chips or with a chip on his shoulder. Um, but uh, it seems like they're saying all the right things. They have a lot of talent. Uh, again, I'm very interested to see with this young crop of this crop of young players that are on decent to good teams. 
who, who, you know, who can take a leap. And I think one guy who possibly could is Tyrese Maxey. Specifically, what I'm interested in Tyrese Maxey is he shot 42% from three, only took, I believe, like four threes per 36. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's probably one of those numbers. Uh, the attempts can probably go up and, you know, if he's at six or seven attempts for 36 or even eight, he doubles that. Even if he goes down to 36 or 37%, probably going to help his efficiency. Um, and um, I think there's he's he's there's room for him to improve on defense. He's really just scratching the surface of how good he can be. Um, add into that that they have um, quite possibly the you know one of the two or three best players in the East. Uh, yeah, there's a lot to like about this team. Stacy, uh, since this is kind of your area of expertise, and they're two of your favorite players, I knew this was coming. And this is a Knicks and this is a Knicks podcast. I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, how much better, do you, if if at all, do you think Maxi is then quickly going forward in a vacuum? Go, so going forward is who do I think has the higher ceiling? Who do I like? Uh, yeah, just who do you think is going to be the better player, and by how much? Because I feel like the perception is that Maxi is a lot better. Gun to my head, I think Maxi ends up with the potential to be fifteenth or sixteenth, and I see quickly being maybe twenty to twenty second best um i think maxi just has his speed and rim pressure is the difference maker and given that he is a pretty competent shooter like i think quickly is a much better shooter and much more versatile shooter but i think maxi i would bet on maxi doing more to close that gap than quickly like i think quickly especially second half of last season he got to the rim a lot but um i think he's always gonna have to rely on craft a little bit more than maxi uh, which is fine, but I just I think Maxi has the the potential to be a high rim pressure guy, whereas I think quickly is going to use rim pressure as a way to get to other things, his playmaking and all of that. So that, and I also think we haven't seen the best of Maxi as a defender. I think he has the potential to be a really terrific on ball defender with his speed, motor, and strength. So all of those things, um, I like there's but there's there's like it's going to be close, and there's. I, I can talk myself into it. I can talk myself into saying Quickly's playmaking continues to improve to a level that Maxi can't reach. And that combined with his pull-up game and floater just makes him so much of a better all-around offensive player, whereas Maxi maybe ends up being a little bit more one-dimensional. Even if he is a hyper-efficient scorer, uh, I could see that, you know, well, it's fair to say that Maxi's been here for two years. He hasn't turned into an elite defender. Um, who's to say that he can reach reach that kind of level, right? And when they were on the same team, quickly was the guy who won SEC Player of the Year, and part of that was that his results on defense were better. Um, I could talk myself into both ways. I'm going to bet right now on the guy who can just get to the rim much more easily, um, and is not exact is and is a good shooter. Like that's just a, a tough combination, and he's already so efficient. But um, but I think like both I see is having ceilings in the top twenty five. Right now, I'd have to bet on uh, Maxi's being a little bit higher. But to answer your question, I don't think there's a big difference between them as prospects. Uh, I do think the conversation's a lot different if quickly got to play off Joel Embiid and Maxi had to watch um, Julius Randle set fake screens and then demand the ball at the free throw line twenty five times a game. So um, so yeah, I, I think what you're saying in terms of them being very close as prospects is true. But just in a vacuum, who am I taking by a hair? I'm taking Maxi still. 
which is less about quickly and more about how high I am on Maxi. Shwin, I'll let you answer though, because I think you have a different opinion on this than me. I mean, I just think it's not close. I think quickly is way better. Um, everything says it, other than scoring efficiently, which is obviously not unimportant. Uh, I don't think Maxi does anything better. And even with scoring, like the jump we saw with quickly when he got kind of more, I don't want to say uh, more prominent role, but he got more reign, he got more minutes uh, post All Star. He basically was putting up numbers that Maxi. I mean, the type of raw production that Maxi puts up as a scorer, but he's doing it with a much more a much more significant playmaking leap. Better rebounder than Maxi, way better defender. Uh, I mean, I, I agree with you that Maxi has the tools, but like, yeah, yeah right it's, now it's not it's not a contest. I, I agree with that. We haven't seen it, and like, I do wonder if there's an element of like some of the stuff that he was really good at in college as a point of attack defender. Um, I'm wondering if that advantage is less pronounced in the NBA because the guards are bigger and they are faster, and so much of what he was able to do there. Um, was being kind of like just physically more gifted, stronger, athletic than competition at, at the lower level. And I wonder if there's an element of like that hasn't translated in the NBA because it won't. Yeah. Um, and so that's a concern I have of his. Uh, I probably, I'm, I'm definitely wrong, by the way, in saying that quickly is way better, but I do think quickly is like better in areas that I just don't see Maxi making up difference and then if you want so if you were just breaking it down very basically like i think as a scorer maxi is better and probably will likely be better over the course of their careers um but i think in terms of running the running an offense i think quickly is way better playmaking quickly is way better uh defensively like not even close in my opinion uh quickly is way better and then you just talk about like you know as a shooter i know maxi shot a amazing percentage last year i don't really buy that he's an actual 43 percent three-point shooter like sure but i also don't buy that he's a 4.2 attempt or 36 guy i think he, he will scale up that volume right so yeah i mean he'll probably scale up the volume but uh the point being is like i just don't think he's gonna be like steph curry type shooter which he was last year uh on lower but he doesn't volume, need to be right he no he, he doesn't probably, need to he, you know. he doesn't need to be but the point is like i don't think there's a gap between them as shooters i'm probably a little i bit... think no i think there is a gap between them as shooters yeah, yeah, i still I mean, give quickly the advantage because he's so much more versatile right so yeah i mean i i'm probably a little bit less certain of that like i i think there's the versatility of what quickly can do is definitely superior but he's got to hit a higher percentage and i know some of that last year was just very weird like he just had a terrible catch and shoot year so i wonder if that's like all the like you know we saw after all-star right like when that three-point percentage came around, like, all of a sudden you're like, oh my god, holy shit, is this guy, like, like, does he have a star, like, does he have star upside? Is that, like, on the table for him? And I do think that's on the table for him, uh, which apparently nobody in our front office or coaching staff believes. Um, but I, yeah, I just think he's a better player. Uh, but we need to move on, because we have ten more teams to get to, and we are well over an hour. Uh, Bucks, 52 and a half. I'm going to just go over, but I I don't think I'm going to touch this one because there's some weird stuff going on with the Bucks. Like, I know that Middleton, I'm not sure of how healthy he's going to be to start the year. 
Giannis played all summer, and he's played a shit ton of basketball over the last two years. So I wonder if maybe, you know, he might miss a few more games than he typically does, or if he gets off to a slower start. Um, I don't, the Brooks, Brooke Lopez, I'm not sure how good he's feeling nowadays. Um, I did, they added, um, shit, why can't I remember who they added this offseason? It's really driving me nuts right now. Um, they added somebody that I thought was good. Uh, anyway, I think Portis is a good addition, or not addition, but keeping him was a pretty key. Uh, you know, Grayson Allen, solid NBA regular season rotation player. Obviously in the playoffs, not so much. Um, but, like, they just have a lot of – they've been together forever. Budenholzer generally knows how to win a lot of games in the regular season. They care about the regular season. I think they care about maybe being the one seed. Um so I think they'll be in it to win it throughout the course of the season. Schwinn, did and, you mean Abaco? Sorry, they re-signed Abaco. Is that you're talking about? Or? No, I don't care about that. I literally <laughs> do not care about that. Uh, but and then I, I don't think they. I don't think they added anyone. Sure. Yeah, I think you might be right. I think that's why I was a confused. But they waved I, once a Nick, always a Nick Luca Vildoza. Yes, uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, like I just like with all of that and the fact that Giannis is the best player in the league, I'm just not going to bet against him. Just not. So if I was going to take this, I would take the over. I don't think I'm going to. Schwinn, could you expand a little bit more on the one seed comment you made? Because gun to my head, I would have said the opposite. In my opinion, I don't see this as the 2019, 2020, 2021 Bucks anymore. I think that they believe they can win any playoff series and they believe in what they have and if they're a top three seed, whether it's the three, two, or one, they don't care. I think they want to get Giannis to the playoffs. They want to get Middleton and Drew to the playoffs healthy. And I, I would have agreed with you if this was three years ago because those teams grinded out the regular season. We saw them win 60 games or in the shortened year. They would have won 60 games back-to-back seasons. But now you think they can uh, fuck so the trend? I, I, I think that they're after winning a title, they're sort of like the LeBron teams. Uh, so if you just look at them last year, uh, they went 51 and 31 and they had a ton of issues last year, right? Giannis missed the first 15 games of the season. Um, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Drew missed the start of last season. Um, I think Middleton also Middleton missed a lot of the end of the season. They, all those guys played the summer before, uh, at the Olympics, and that was after they went to the NBA Finals, obviously. Uh, Holiday and Middleton didn't play the summer. Uh, that makes me feel better about them because they're both a little bit older and they've had a lot of miles in the last couple of years. So Drew needed a holiday. Yes, he definitely did need a holiday. Uh, I think that's that's a nice thing. Uh, they kept Connaughton. That's what uh, I, I was thought. I thought they were, might lose him, but they kept Connaughton. I think that's kind of like an underrated good thing for them. Keep the um, quota up. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that this team cares about winning games in the regular season. I'm not saying, like, they are super organizationally focused on we got to be the one seed, but, like, Giannis, when he's on the floor, he's not mailing it in the regular season, you know? Drew doesn't mail it in the regular season. Middleton doesn't mail it in the regular season. These guys produce when they're on the floor. They care, and I think they're going to be on the floor more than they were last year. Uh, and I will say this: like I think that there might be some, uh, there might be some thought that hey, look, like we don't necessarily need home court. 
but it sure would have been nice to maybe have home court in Game 7 last year. Um, I wonder if that plays into their mindset a little bit. I don't think they're going to be as aggressive pushing for the one seed as, say, like a team. I think Philadelphia is probably more geared towards that than, than they are. But, like, uh, I think they're going to just they're, – they're pretty much a win machine. Like, last year they went 51-31 and 31 with all of these various things going on. Um, and that that's probably, like, you know, it took all that and they barely you – know, their over-under last year is 54-and-a-half. I don't see any reason why this team is worse than last year. And so if you're getting two wins, effectively, at 52-and-a-half, um, I would – if you're going to take it, I feel like this is definitely an overplay. But, uh, yeah, that's just my thoughts on Milwaukee. Yeah, I agree with most of that. Ultimately, best player in the East, um, like you said, 51 minutes – 51 wins last year. Um, despite a lot of injuries. That's not to say that can't happen again. Uh, but especially Boston's imploding, that would have been the only other team I would pick up of Milwaukee. Um, yeah, I think that um, if I'm saying they're not going to win 52 games, that means I don't think anyone in the East is winning 52 games. And I think somebody will. And uh, it's more likely to be them than the Celtics. So, Yeah, I mean... You two both did a really – I went into this thinking I was going to say under. I think I'm going to stick with it. Uh, but I, I think you both made very good arguments for the over. Um, I just – I don't I don't love their – I mean, it, relatively. Obviously, when you have a big three like Giannis, Drew, and Middleton, it's hard to have a great roster around that. But, I mean, so Brooke Lopez is – I mean, he's halfway to 40, right? And then Drew and Chris Middleton are now deep and not deep, but, you know, they're, they're not, they're not, they're 32 and 33, I think, or they're 31 and 32. Um, I just, I don't think you can safely bet on just a clean, healthy season by this team, which puts a lot of pressure on Giannis. Now, I mean, in my opinion, he's the best player in the league and, pretty comfortably so it it feels silly to want to bet the under but as i was saying earlier i think Giannis is about titles now i don't i don't think he i mean i'm not saying he's gonna fully lebron mail in the the regular season um i still think he's gonna give you know max effort most of the time but I just go back to the year they won the championship, and one of the things I really noticed Budenholzer do was do some funky things in the regular season to prepare for the playoffs. And I just think they have that mindset as a team. Um, and I, I, I could see it costing them some wins. And then their their guard depth is just really old. I mean, they've got George Hill, they've got Javon Carter, they've got Wes Matthews. Um yeah, I just don't love their roster, and I, 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 I'm going to go under. Fair enough. Uh, all right, let's move on. Uh, Bulls, 42.5. I don't think I'm going to take this, but if I were, uh, under, under, under all day. Um, Lonzo, injury, not great. Looked it up yesterday in the games. Um, they, they had an above 500 record, just above 500 record without him last year. But their net rating was uh, minus 
two basically, which is obviously a losing uh, net rating. So they they overperformed that. That's probably a little bit due to DeRozan crazy fourth quarter stuff. I don't think DeRozan's going to have as good a year. Um, I feel pretty comfortable saying that. Um, I don't love the fit of Vooch there with DeRozan. Uh, they don't their games don't complement each other very well, so they don't get much out of Vooch. Uh, defensively, I don't really like anything about this team. I don't buy that Io DeSumo is going to make some leap and that'll you know cover them until Alonzo's back. Patrick Williams is still an intriguing talent, but like I don't know how much opportunity he's going to have to to make the impact that you're hoping for um, with kind of just like where he stacks up on the totem pole. You know, you're talking about a guy who's effectively the fourth option in that starting lineup. I They didn't add anything to this team in the offseason, and that was a team that barely, you know, they they snuck in really to a guaranteed playoff spot. They almost dropped into the play-in. And I just don't, I don't like this team. I, I didn't like the team last year. Uh, they got off to a really hot start. Again, DeRozan was kind of insane with the the amount of fourth quarter heroics he had, but I don't buy that that's sustainable. And I think they probably both, like I think him and Butcher, look, they're pretty deep into their thirties. These guys have played a lot of minutes. I'm not a huge fan of assuming they're going to be the same. Levine is probably going to be healthier, but like Lonzo, we don't even know if, when he's going to be back, if he's going to be back, how his knees responding. Um, I don't know. I don't really like anything about this team as far as like buying upside. So I'm, I'm, I would take the under if I was going to take this. Um, for I, yeah, I just they don't have assets either to like really make significant moves. So I don't know how much you know you have to worry about like well, what if they cash in X Y Z chips to upgrade the roster? Um, so yeah, Schwinn, you say you. They, they didn't make any additions, but you take Zach Levine off this team, you take DeMar DeRozan off this team, and you run the run the team through Andre Drummond, and you're going to see who he is. <laughs> Andre Drummond is like that. Is that There it is, yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, Did they add Andre Drummond? I didn't even know that. Yeah, yeah, they signed him. Yeah. <laughs> um, fun fact, I have a bet for a non-insignificant amount of money that Andre Drummond won't be a Hall of Famer. So, uh, hoping he doesn't like break the rebound record or something silly. Um, well, I mean, is Dwight a Hall Howard? of Famer? I think Dwight is debated. Dwight by... Howard is definitely a Hall of Famer. Right? But is, yeah. is it, no, no, I think he is, but I feel like that's a case that people will debate. So if he's debatable even remotely... <laughs> I mean, drummer. oh yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, but but you agree that Dwight Howard is like up to me. He's first baller, yeah, better. yeah. Okay, he's what? No, no, but I'm saying you you agree he's way better than Andre Drum. That yeah, the point I'm making is that there are people who make the case that Howard maybe is in the first ballot Hall of Famer, right? Mm-hmm. If he's not, then <laughs> I mean, yeah, Drummond is on a different level, you know. So right, he's never made like an All NBA team. He's I don't. He's made one third team in 2016, and he's made two all-star teams, and that's it. And, yeah, yeah, people forget Dwight was a generational um, defender at one point, right? Right. He had a a four-year peak that was, you know, all-time. One thing I want to say about what Schwinn said, for real, though, um, he said that uh, doesn't like the DeRozan-Vucevic fit. 
And I agree with him from the Vucevic perspective. I think it really diminishes his value to play with DeRozan because DeRozan's just not a very good pick and roll passer. But I actually think that Vucevic is like the perfect center to have on the floor with DeRozan for DeRozan. And I was thinking about that last season as DeRozan continued to shoot just unsustainably godlike numbers from the mid-range that you need a stretch five with DeRozan if you're going to try and build a team that way. Because, you know, he needs space. If you, you're going to turn into, you know, the Knicks of the last two seasons with Alfred Payton on the floor and a paint-bound big if you have if you try to run DeRozan out there with a more true center. Um, now, do you want to pay $30 million to have Vucevic be largely a stretch five? No. Uh, and that's why it's bad, but that's what DeMar DeRozan does to your team. He is the poster boy of NBA purgatory, in my opinion. You have DeRozan on your team, you're never going to be bad enough to rebuild, and you're never going to be good enough to do anything. Um, people will say, you know, the 2016 Raptors, but uh, DeRozan wasn't even the best player on that team, and I don't care what anybody says. Kyle Lowry was a lot better. Um I'm going to go with Schwinn. I'm going to say under. Um, I just, they, I think Lonzo is arguably the most important player on their team. I think they have a chance to go over and be better if they commit to giving the reins to Levine. I think that's better for their short and long term. But I don't know if you can do that after, I think they're in kind of a weirdly similar situation to the Knicks. I don't know how they do that after DeRozan just had the season he did. Just like I don't see, you know, a lot of people didn't see how the Knicks could take the keys away from Randall after he had his season. Um, and I, their 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 depth is really they they're really low in depth. I don't like their top end talent, and yeah, I just think there's too many outcomes where they're just a mediocre team who wins. 37 to 41 games so yeah i would take the under pretty comfortable there's a there's a couple points i'll note there um first of all i don't there's a few differences between doers and randall besides the overall doers is a lot better as a passer derozan i still think is very underrated like he's a very good processor because he plays kind of an iso methodical style um i'm sorry can i hop in here for a second i just want to be clear when you say DeRozan's a lot better, are you saying like over the course of their career he's a lot better? Right now, he... over the course of career, whatever. But like, especially right no, but now. Like, do you think? Do you think that the best DeRozan season was better than Randall's 2020-2021? So last year. Sure. Do you think that was better than Randall's? Because I don't. But off the top of my head, I would probably say yes. Um, I do think he was more efficient, um, and the scoring was on the same level. Not the same level of rebounding or defensive impact, but um, I think that he's yeah he's a better he was even Randall's best season. Rosen was more efficient scorer, and there is a big difference in passing. Um, like it, he does not need like his passes are the quick processing that we wished Randall had, uh, and when he draws doubles, he's just way better. Uh, he's really he's tough to guard in the post. That, that I mean makes a, a whole a bunch of different. Can he do what he did last year where he averaged 28, 5, and 5? 
on 59 true shooting? I, I don't think so. I wouldn't bet on it. Um, but I do think that in terms of them being locked into him as a playmaker, even if his efficiency from the mid-range goes down a bit, I think he's much more capable of sustaining that role than a guy like Randall because of that vision and, and passing. And that, by the way, predated last year. That really was a development that happened on the Spurs. Um, you, that said, Levine is a very efficient scorer. How do you balance that? I'd probably just look at staggering them more. But I'll say I, I'm also going to take the under, but I really did like the experiment. I think a lot of people said, you know, it was just unsustainable shooting early in the season, um, luck in post games. I think one of the things, the reason why, and I got into I got into it on Twitter before last season, I did not like that they were getting more hype than the Knicks. Um, and at the end of the season, I think they were the worst team. But one thing I kept saying is they're relying on Caruso and Lonzo to overcome three bad defenders and neither of them are rim protectors so no rim protection and poor perimeter defense i don't love that combination and i think for for half the season they've proved that you can make that work because of how good caruso and lonzo were and i it's sad that you couldn't see that well not i mean i don't like the bulls but it is sad that you couldn't see that come to fruition because i think it challenged some assumptions that certainly i had about the norms but the fact is now they don't have those perimeter defenders. And, um, you know, you're giving heavy minutes to... I mean, really, yeah, Io DeSumo is the only is the only plus defender in that rotation right now. Um, um, so I just don't see it. And, um, and, yeah, I mean, like, betting under Rosen to do that again is a bit much, right? Do I think he's going to turn into a Randall-type regression? Probably not. I think you could still run off and swim in the post because I don't think the passing is going away. but. Um, yeah, I think that um, I, I would bet them 39-40 wins. So I think they're going to be fighting for one of those last couple of playing spots. I do think the Knicks are a comfortably better team than them this year. Yeah, I agree there. Uh, all right, let's move on to another team in the Central. Cleveland Cavaliers, 47 and a half. Um, I think this is an over. Uh, I, I haven't taken this. I probably will take it. They were forty-two and forty last year, I believe. Um, I'll look it up, but I just don't see how this team is not like the only reason they didn't. They were forty-four and thirty-eight last year. They at one point looked like they were on their way to fifty wins before everybody got hurt, and it wasn't just that everybody got hurt; they all got hurt at like the same time, so they were all out at the same time. Um, I just they didn't really give they didn't give up anybody that was critical to their success last year to get Donovan Mitchell. I think Mobley's going to be better. Like he's a second year player who already looked, you know, there were already superstar flashes that we saw as a rookie. I think he's going to be better next year or this year rather. Uh, Garland and Allen, at the very least, I I don't think anything they did last year was unsustainable. So I really like that. Uh, Kevin Love's solid veteran player off the bench. Rubio, I don't know if he's going to be ready to start the year, but he was really good for them when he did play last year before he got hurt. Uh, I think that like, Dean Wade is a solid player. They just have a lot of, like, they, they actually have a pretty decent amount of depth even after the, the Mitchell trade, and I like their top-end guys. I think their top guys are up there with anybody in the East for sure um, as a collective group. So, um yeah, I mean, I, I'm. I think this is definitely over. 
Here's a question. Um, if Mobley becomes an all-NBA, even third-team-level player, like he becomes BAM-level next this year, how much would that change how you view this team? If, if, if Mobley, Mobley reaches a BAM, like he becomes BAM out of buyer or even a little bit better as a player, like that's the level he reaches this year. Uh, I mean, I think that they would have a shot at coming out of the East in that scenario. Okay, I think that's where I'm at already. That I think that they have a shot at coming out of the East. I'm I'm a little bit more bearish on them, and and in terms of the playoff ceiling right now, I think the Garland Mitchell combination is pretty awful on defense. Uh, that matters more in the playoffs than it does in the regular season. I think to cover that up, you're going to have to. Mobley is going to have to make. He, he's going to be asked to do a lot to cover up for both those guys, as will Allen. But Mobley, being a more versatile player, has probably going to have to do a lot more. Um, I don't know if I love betting on that for a second-year player. I think they can figure that out over time. Uh, there's also stuff like: Are we sure that Mobley and Allen in the playoffs together um, is that? Are they always going to be able to? play but with both those guys at the end of games maybe maybe not i don't know um i think they can figure that out but i do think it's something they have to figure out and then at the three like i mean do they have a three on the roster that i like for a team that is trying to get out of the conference not yet i don't i don't i'm not buying the Okoro like a coro shot uh dean wade's solid but i don't you know, he's not really a three. He can just play there because they do weird jumbo lineup stuff, but, like, that's not really his optimal position. And Levert at the three, don't love that. Not really a great floor spacer. Not a good defender. Um, so that's just something they need to figure out. And I think it's a pretty significant hole. So uh, regular season, I think they can work around that. Playoffs, less, much less sold on them, as things stand for right now. Uh, I think, you know, long-term, this team is in a great position. So they're fine. And then also to go along with what you're, what you're saying, their lone backup big is Kevin Love. Now I like love. I like love. Um, especially what he did last season. But you don't love love. <laughs> no, I love him. Uh, you know, he's, he's, he's a good one. Um, but I mean, they have two um, bigs too, right? So they can also, just rotate those guys. Like either Allen or Mobley could play the five, right? Oh, for sure. But that means that Kevin Love, like I feel like, what made him so successful last season was playing most of his minutes as purely the backup five. Um, I don't know if he has it in him to play even a little uh, stretch four. So you don't think he can play with Allen? Is what you're saying, basically? Because I think. With Mobley, he would essentially be the five, right? Would he like if he's playing with Mobley? Don't you want defensively? Don't you want Mobley to be the one anchoring down low? Um, I think you can play it so that um, I think you can make it so that you have love. I mean, it's less about anchoring down low and more about you know who's guarding the big. It's a lot of times it's guarding the pick and roll, right? So I guess you would want Mobley doing that. Um, but I also think Mobley is the better weak side help protector. So I think you could probably run Love in, a, in an aggressive scheme where he's not really in drop, but he's kind of just, um, 
either hedging or kind of um, you know soft show. You can be creative and then use Mobley as kind of the help side rim protector. Um, but I was also just talking about um, on offense. You know, like um, functionally, I think you can play Mobley more as the four and, and give love opportunities to attack in the paint. Yeah. No, they. Uh, I. I. I think they. Um, they correlate pretty well together offensively. I was just worried about them a little bit defensively, and I think it's important for the overall ceiling of this team to not pigeonhole Mobley as a power forward, because I have to imagine when they drafted him, they saw him as you know the first iteration of some sort of stretch or playmaking five, um, like a Bam Adebayo, but... Or a Tim Duncan. Yeah, I mean, but even Duncan wasn't, you know, he wasn't stretching, really. I know he had that that nice mid-game. He was stretching for his time. But I, I have to imagine, if you told them that he would spend his whole career playing next to another big... Obviously, they still take him because he's, you know, a generational talent. But I think they they would have paused at least a little bit, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Um, let's move on. Uh, Pacers, 23 and a half. I don't really think that we need to spend much time at all talking about this team. They don't matter. Um, this season doesn't matter for them. I would probably go under, but... Maybe they hang on to Miles Turner for too long because they're insane um, and they win too many games. But uh, I would go under here. I think they're going to – it feels like they want to lose games. Uh, I know that Rick Carlisle hasn't historically been a guy that is down to rebuild, but, like, I, there's just no path for them to be good this summer or this season, I don't think. Uh, and that's okay. Like, they've set themselves up kind of decently now to kind of have a rebuild. Halliburton, really good player, I guess. Um, I don't know. I don't. There's just team is just not very exciting. I, I guess like Matherin, I'm kind of excited to see Matherin. I think he'll be a fun player, but like they're just very far away from competing, and uh, I think they're okay with that. So I, I would go under, but this is not one I would. I really wouldn't touch this at all. Um, Jeff, if you want a young player who's Assumed to be much better than quickly, who I think quickly is better than by a significant margin. It is Tyrese Halliburton. That's my hot take. So, wow. Um, I mean, I think I, I'm. I would I would say I'm as high on quickly as just about anyone. Um, I don't know a ton about Halliburton, so I'll have to look more into that. But I know his reputation or his perceived value is definitely higher than quickly's. So, I mean, hey, that's cool. That's cool for the Knicks. Um, I'm actually pretty excited to watch the Pacers. I mean, I agree with Schwinn. Like, they, they don't really matter. They're not going to make the playoffs or um, contend, really. But uh, as just, like, an NBA junkie nerd, I mean, it's they have some players I'm just, like, excited to watch um, un, unleashed. You know, like, Jalen Smith got a really tough go of it in Phoenix. That was always just a ridiculous pick by them. I don't know what they were doing just because they weren't going to play him with Aiton. Like, this, so they, he just sat there. But he looked fun uh, and like a decent player down the stretch with uh, with Indiana. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, Matherin 
is just awesome. Uh, he's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I actually would take the over. Uh, I just think it's really hard to win less than 23 games when you have Carlisle. And I think they have enough players who should be solid next year that they'll they'll surprise some people and, you know, win, win some games they're not supposed to. I don't see them making the playoffs, but I would take over 23 and a half. Um, yeah, let me see that. Uh, all right. They have a, yeah, I'll just um, I'll add this. They have an interesting framework. They have a good rim protector in Turner. They have some real shooters, right? Halliburton can shoot, Heald, and Duarte. They're going to have good floor spacing. This is a team that will probably be able to score. They don't have anyone that could get to the rim reliably. Uh, but you're not, you know, like in the, they're going to go off and have some games where I think they just really, just get really hot from three and, and other teams struggle to score against Turner. Like, um, yeah, I, I'm with Jeff too. I'd say that 23 is a low amount. And I think there is enough variance in what they're going to be able to do game to game that I think they'll be higher than that. Yeah. Um, I, I would go, again, like I said, I would go under over, you know, but that's like 24 wins. They could totally hit that. Um, I just think the team is going to suck and I think they want to suck. So, yeah, I, I don't know. That's just where I land on it, I guess. All right, moving on. Um, Pistons, 29 and a half. I would go under on this. I think people are jumping the gun with this team. Uh, I... I, I, the Burks Burks is injured. He's going to be out for the first three weeks, and they said they're going to revisit it after that. Noel, it's a foot injury, huh? Yeah, that's right. interesting. Did he play a lot of minutes last year? He did play a lot of minutes, yeah, uh, and i I would not be surprised if uh, you know he does not age gracefully this year. Um, I think Tibbs really just what he did to him last year was ridiculous. All right, moving on, but we're not going to we're, we're not going to try this in a Tibbs thing. Uh, Noel is also hurt. So their center rotation as of now will probably be Beef Stew and Duran, who I like Duran as a prospect a lot, but like he's a rookie center. Rookie centers generally, as a rule of thumb, are not good. They're usually pretty bad. Uh, I like K. I love Cade. I think it's very possible and likely even that he probably takes a leap. I don't know if that's enough to offset the fact that they're going to be giving a lot of minutes to. Players like Ivy and Duran, who, again, both of those guys are prospects I really like, but they're also players I don't think are going to be good players next season. Um, and, you know, Killian Hayes is still there. He's going to get a lot of minutes. He hasn't been good in the NBA at all. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's too many things here, and I think the East, again, is really good. Do I like what the Pistons have going? Yes. Do I like it so much this season? No, I do not. Um, I think they are still about a year or two years away from, uh, you know, making a push for probably a year actually to making a serious push for the plan. Um, the Bogdanovich thing, like, I think it was a fine addition. Um, I also am not sure why, like, people Bogdanovich just isn't moving the needle that much. So for people that were like, oh my God, this team is now going to like push for the plan. If you didn't think they were going to push for the plan before that trade, they really shouldn't. Like that trade should not make you think that now they are going to. Uh, he just does not move the needle enough for that to be the case. But um, nonetheless, I do like the way they're headed long term. I just don't buy them pushing 30 wins this year. Yeah, I don't 
30 wins in it, but did you say the over-under is at 29 and a half? Oh, I'm taking the under on that. But I get why it's that high. Um, and I think, yeah, like long-term as an organization, they're doing a lot of the things that the Knicks have done in stretches, but, um, you know, haven't. Uh, I'll give an example. You know, I think Marvin Bagley has really blossomed there, right? A guy who seemed to be on his way out of the NBA. Um, I think what Troy Weaver is doing is he's showing that they can develop young talent. They've acquired a lot of young talent, but uh, a guy like Bagley or, you know, that you can show that you developed, um, you know, there's, I mean, they're an interesting team. Um, I think that they're building the team the right way. Um, you know, on the wings, they have Cade, Sadiq Bey. Um, you can call me biased, but this guy was sneakily pretty good um, last year. And um, you can also look at um, how poorly his college team played on defense the first year without him. But I actually like Isaiah Livers a lot for that team. Um, and, of course, you have the athleticism of the backcourt. Um, it's it's a Troy Weaver team in that they're clearly valuing long athletes, but um, that they're built to do a lot of different things. Am I going to bet on them to win 30 games in a worse East? I think I might, actually. Uh, this is two or three years ago. I, I would seriously consider it, but um, the, the East is too loaded this year. Uh, I think they end up probably somewhere more like 26, 27 games, but I think they win a couple of games, maybe against good teams and surprise them on a night where uh, where everything's clicking for them. Yeah, I mean, if you were going to bet the over on this team, the argument would be that they closed last year really strong defensively. I think after All-Star break, they might have been a top three or four or five defense. Um, so they are, yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. I buy the, the team-building vision he's trying to execute, even though I don't. Sadiq Bey is a really good prospect. Everyone talks about Cunningham and Ivy, but Sadiq Bey is really good. Like, he's yeah. a better prospect than, for example, Grimes. Let's put it like that, who is, like, apparently the Knicks' untouchable guy. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there are things about what Troy Weaver has done that I think are incredibly questionable. Um, but like the young guys they have, I, I like kind of the vision that he's building towards. So, um, yeah, long-term, totally fine with this team, but I, I would go under here. Yeah, that's a high, this is a high over-under. That's the thing. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's move on here. Uh, Hawks, 45 and a half. I'm going to keep this very short. I'm under on this team. I don't like the fit between DeJounte Murray and Trey Young. I don't like their wing situation. Like they, they went from having a lot of wings to now just having like not enough wings, it feels like. I don't love betting on DeAndre Hunter's health. Um, I think the offense is going to be worse this year than it was last year. I'm not sure the defense is going to be too much better. Maybe I'm wrong on that. Um, maybe DeJounte Murray does have that type of impact. I don't know. Uh, and... I also don't like that one of their primary upside guys is Onyeko Kangu, and he's probably capped in a very similar way to Obi Toppin in terms of how many minutes he can possibly get. Um, so they just feel like they're still in the middle of retooling the roster, and I'm not as bullish on them in the immediate term as other people are after they made the DeJounte Murray trade. I I feel pretty differently to you across the board. I'm I'm I would go over. Um, Nick fans are gonna hate hearing me say this, but I think Trey Young has become underrated. Um, not by like the Reggie Miller national media types, but just like in NBA discussions that are. I mean, it seems to be consensus high. now that Ja is better than Trey, which like is nuts to me, but. 
right that that's a great example of what I, I'm trying to say I, I I agree with you um I just think he's a really good player um and they have a lot of continuity which is really valuable in the NBA I mean I know Hunter has struggled with injuries but if Hunter can stay healthy they have four of their five starters um plus Bogdanovich are guys who have played a decent amount of minutes together. And then what did they do in the starting lineup that sort of uh, messed up continuity? Well, they addressed their biggest issue because now they have a guy next to Young who can really, really alleviate his burden and just take on the opposing team's backcourt assignment every single night. Um, I think they gave up way too much for Murray. Um but I think he's also a really good player, and I think he's a really good fit. So um, I just think 45.5 is too low for them. And it wouldn't surprise me if they contended in the East as far as for home court advantage. Um, I just think they're going to be really annoyingly good, and I think Trey Young's going to make an all-NBA team. I think they're going to be good. Sorry, yeah, it was on me. Um, yeah, I tend to agree with Jeff. Uh, I think we overthink it sometimes. Um, I think Murray's capable of playing off ball. I don't think you necessarily need to. Um, How is he capable of playing off ball? I think he can cut. I think he's fine as a catch and shoot. I think he's like he's fucking terrible as a catch and shoot. What is he? Thirty four percent. That's not 35. good. That's, that's I mean that's, that's not a good number. I that's said not fine. I said fine. Like but, but that's, it's not like people are going to just. He's not Alfred Payton. They're not going to just cheat off of him. And Have you watched how teams defend him? They literally treat him like Alfred Payne when he's off the ball. They do not defend him off the ball. I think they're. I think that's going to be fine for them. I think being able to give Trey more of a rest will help. Um, and I also think he's capable as a cutter. Like, how many possessions a game do you cut and get the ball? Me personally. Um, yes, you personally. Just Stacy Patton. I, I actually would be curious. <laughs> I actually would be curious. Like I would imagine Russ is on the bottom of that. I have seen numbers on that where I think Zach Lowe has written the same article about Russell Westbrook and John Wall, where there is a lot more room for them to cut. And I think a guy like Murray is an example of a guy because he can score in the interior because he has that size. He was able to capitalize on that, right? So I don't necessarily see them as needing to like. Um, and I, I mean, you, there's other things you can do. You can use him as a screener. There's ways to get around him being not a great off-ball shooter, um, and still out. And and if anyone is a creative enough passer to figure out it's Trey, but more importantly, I think they'll benefit more. You you want Nate McMillan to figure out how to use Dejounte Murray creatively? No, nah, I think Trey can actually. Like, but what is Trey? Trey? Has I don't think you have to be that creative though. This is simple shit. I mean, like. Presti was able to, or not Presti, um, Scott Brooks was able to figure out how to use several non-shooters pretty creatively in Oklahoma City. Well, uh, he did have Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook, which he, like, if you have those guys, I don't think Trey Young is definitely not on the level of Kevin Durant at that point in time. Uh, uh, but he's probably, I mean, he is a he is a very talented player. Uh, and I think that helps them figure it out. But more, But even if you were to say that their offense will get bogged down at times, um, they lost Bogdan. They have Bogdan. Um, they have Bogdan. Yeah, so Bogdan, Bogdan. I like that. Fuck you guys. Um, I think that um, they'll um, they'll gain more from being able to to rest Trey more, from being able to match up more um 
more strategically when you have guys who can really punish Trey on defense. Um, and, um, and like to have 48 minutes of quality point guard play, you know? So yeah, I'm, I'm going to take I, you over. I'm like, I think you guys are fucking so off on the interpretation of this team. Like uh, Trey Young is basically a walking top three offense, but to get the value that you want out of DeJounte Murray, you have to give him on ball usage. And he is fundamentally nowhere close to the level of offensive player that Trey Young is. That's a massive, like, you're going from, what is, Trey Young plays, like, 36 minutes a night? Like, he's going to play th- those minutes, but he's going to have to spend some of that time off the ball for DeJounte Murray. I think that's a massive, under, like, under-discussed loss that they that they will have to endure. Um, I think their wings are in pretty bad shape. Hunter, super injury-prone. Bogdanovich, was dealing with some injuries also at the end of last year, and I think he still has some shit going on this year. Um, Jalen Johnson, like how many minutes is this guy going to get? How does he fit in? Do I trust Nate McMillan to figure out how to work him? Like I don't. Uh, I just I don't like this roster with this coach. I don't think he's creative enough. And I'm just looking at this based. So last year, the highest volume guard on cuts was Bruce Brown, and that was two per game, two possessions per game that he ended on cuts. And he was he ended used, obviously... On cuts, right? What's up? That he ended on cuts. That he yeah, that he shot ended on, on yeah. cuts. So, I mean, you can still, you can, like, but that's not what we're asking for. We're asking for being active off ball so that you don't, so that Trey isn't running into a wall of bodies in the paint. But, but, like, I think he's watch, capable of that. But watch the Hawks, like, look at Nate McMillan's entire career. Like, this is like me being like, oh my god, Obi Toppin's an awesome cutter. Tibbs just needs to be creative with how he uses it. Like, but, that, but we saw that. that though, right? Obi couldn't hit, you know, water from a boat last year, and the offense was still really useful, uh, really effective with him because he's so good off ball. I don't think Murray is that, but, but I'm saying but, like, that can make up for the fact, even if you don't have gra- shooting gravity. But like, even with that, how many times did we bitch about like? Oh my God! Why does Obi just stand in the corner? Why is he just standing in the corner? Why is he we just did bitch about that? But even just even with that, we were consistently on off positive with him. Yeah, because he like, found a way to contribute. Anyway. Okay, but that's that's like not the same thing because Dejounte Murray has never been as good a cutter as Obi Toppin. That's true. And like, but I think he's, he's, just, he's it's, we're not talking about like Westbrook or something here. That's what I'm saying. No, I mean, yeah, look, Westbrook is his own thing, right? But if you want to talk about somebody who's like Westbrook off the ball, take a look at Trey Young. He's like, yeah, he's a good shooter, but the reason he doesn't get the ball much off off ball isn't just because they didn't have capable players that could handle the ball. It's also because he doesn't move off the ball. Like he just stands there with his hands on his knees half the time. I think that's a really big problem for him and for them as a team. And maybe if the coach was like, I don't know, some guy with some history of like doing some warriors y type ball movement, player movement shit, I might buy into it. But Nate McMillan has never been that guy. He's never done it anywhere in his career. And he's had talented players. If you go back and even to his Portland days when they had like Brandon Roy and Lamarcus Aldridge, they ran a very unimaginative offense that was like very ISO heavy, very stagnant, that has persisted in Indiana, that has persisted now into Atlanta. This is what he is. This is the type of coach he is. He has no creativity. He, he, he's going to do the same exact things he's always done. He's going to get fired at some point this year. I would bet on that. Uh, and I just, I'm totally down on this team. I think they're, they're getting wildly overrated by some people. 
And it's not because they have bad players, but it's because I don't personally trust the talent to be maximized by the coach they have. Um, and I also just don't necessarily think that the DeJounte and Trey Young fit is clean. Like, it's going to be an adjustment. And when you're making adjustments, that's stuff that can cost you wins. Um, and I think they're going to lose some games that they probably shouldn't have uh, early in the season because of teething issues and figuring out how to play off of each other. Uh, do, do I think they can figure it out at some point? Sure. But, like, I'm not betting on them figuring it out with this fucking coach. I'll tell you that. Um, so I, I'm I do think regarding I, yeah. I do think regarding the cutting, Schwinn, um, you're you're exactly right with how Trey has performed off ball. He's atrocious. Yeah, like when you rewatch it, he just anytime somebody else is running a possession, he just stands there. Um, but I do think that the Hawks have and will continue to be, but to a lesser degree. But they have been very firmly Trey Young's team which can lead to a little bit of leisure, you know, when you're, when you're not running the show. And, you know, we talked about Randall um, all offseason, basically. And what would it take to get Randall going? And is he more likely to do that for this Knicks team or if he went somewhere else? Well, if there was one thing, in my opinion, that could get Trey Young to embrace being more active off-ball, it would be saying, hey, we're bringing in an all-star ball dominant guy who's going to help you on defense and we're going to be really good if he can be really good so you're going to have to give up a little bit of your on ball time i i this i know this there's nothing logical or like or logical is the wrong word there's nothing tangible about me saying this but it just makes sense to me that i i could see trey young making a mini leap off the ball yeah i mean it's possible um i'm just look i think players coaches and all they tell you who they are, and when they do, you should believe them. And just the same way, I'm not buying that Randall's going to come back this season and suddenly be this active, you know, off-ball, ball-moving, willing, screen-setting type of player. I am not going to buy that Trey Young is going to play fundamentally different to how he's played over the last years, or that Nate McMillan is going to adjust his offense and be more creative than he's been for however many years he's coaching up, right? 15 years or something in the NBA. Um, I, I just don't. So I'm under, I get what you guys are over. I just very, very strongly disagree with it. I, this is like one, I don't even know if I'm going to bet on this or not. I just feel very strongly about this under. Um, all right, let's do, let's try and be a little bit quicker with these. Uh, Miami, 48 and a half. <laughs> I, I don't know. Under. I, why? I say under Why are you because, so strong on this under because their best player has a ton of miles on their on his body. Um, I do think there's room for Bam to make a leap, but he's kind of been who he is for a year or two now. Um, well, actually, Jimmy Butler is exactly one day older than me. Now I feel bad saying that, um, but he's got a lot of miles in his body. So you're trusting him to stay healthy all season. He's got better. I think Lowry's washed. Um, I am not as high on Tyler Hero as a lot of people. I'm going to be under. Um, okay, I can see that. Uh, I do take your point. I also think losing P.J. Tucker is like, it's not that he's such an awesome player, but they just don't have a four, really. You know what I mean? They just don't have a four on the roster. So I, I think that... On their them. ESPN depth chart, Schwinn, Duncan Robinson is listed as their power forward. Yeah, I just... <laughs> More like their white power. 
forward. And they were talking about like Bam at the four with like Yurt seven, these weird big, you know, big lineups. I don't like that at all. I hope they. Don't Although if someone could make those kind of to the opposite point of Atlanta, yeah, like yeah, Spolstra yeah. is the guy that can figure something like that out. But yeah, I mean, I I probably would not touch this just because like I just feel like Miami like Spolstra finds a way to maximize what he has every year. Um, but like, you know, Jimmy's going to miss 15 games, right? Like that's just like, he always misses some time. How, how much does Lowry left him have in the tank? We don't know. Um, that can go either way, by the way, because he had a really down season that was like, you know, it, it was very, very poor last year. He was injured at various points. Apparently he was dealing with some kind of personal issue that I don't know what the specifics are and they haven't reported it, but he was dealing with something where he was traveling back and forth to home a lot. Um, so maybe he's just in a better space. I don't know. I just, the hero thing is weird. Are they going to extend him? Like, you know, he's playing for a contract. I just, I wonder, man, I think this team, it feels like they lost a bit more than, I, would you say that they were, I don't want to say they were lucky to get to the Eastern Conference Finals, but like, they definitely overachieved their talent level, it feels like, right? Yeah, I'd probably agree with that. It doesn't. It feels like they're not. Wait, if you're just talking about pure talent, like it feels like you know Philly has more pure talent. Boston, Milwaukee, um, even Cleveland. Like I, I just. But I mean, who but, do you think is a better player at this point, Trey Young or J- Jimmy Butler? Jimmy. Jimmy, but he's closer to that. Well, I guess you're higher on him than me. But I would have. I would say the teams that you mentioned have like their top guys are a little bit better than Jimmy. So. And Bam is better than most of their number twos, but yeah, um, yeah, Bam, Bam is really good. I mean, that's the that's the one thing that kind of you have to like maybe account for is can he be like a twenty three, twenty four, twenty five point per game guy? I don't know because um, we've been that's the thing, right? We've been saying that for a couple of years. He's twenty five now. Like it's, I mean, that's still young. But, but it's kind of like talk- the time where you want to see, where you expect yeah. to see that type of league. It's been two or three years now where people are like, well, you know, he's shown some jump shooting ability. Is this the year we've seen it? We haven't seen that, right? Which probably prevents him from playing at the four. Uh, we haven't seen... This is like... This is- yeah, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, this is the one downfall of playing for a coach like Spo. I mean, Spo's top two, top, top, top one, maybe, in the league. But the... Sometimes to make a star leap, you have to take a step back. Um, now, Spo will take a step back on team level, but with a team that's you know made the finals and made the Eastern Conference Finals the last uh, one or two, in the last three seasons, I don't see him sacrificing games or multiple possessions to get you know to to, to help Bam push Bam to a star leap. I think they like the success they've had using him as mostly, you know, a dribble handoff guy. And it's really hard for him to sort of step outside his box because to maximize what they're getting from this iteration of this team that is Jimmy's team, Bam kind of has to stay in his role. Um, So regarding Bam making a leap, I just think I'm not even so, so sure it's his fault. I just think it's what the team is asking of him. Yeah, I think some I've seen Heat fans kind of express um, that sentiment also. So uh, I will just go I'll go under. I guess I wouldn't touch this at all. 
Um, yeah, I'm 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 under as well, uh, and I would feel gross about it because of Spolstra and Jimmy Butler. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's go through Hornets. Like they're thirty six and a half. I'm super down on this team. I, I get why they don't have a plan because obviously what happened with Miles Bridges is totally unexpected, and that it it feels like you're they, for them internally. They're probably thinking like. At the end of last season, you're probably thinking of it as, okay, we have Lamelo, Miles Bridges is another guy that we like, uh, and he's a long-term piece. And now with these two, like we have to figure out what else we need. And now it's like you lose one of those guys. He's probably not going to play this year at, the, at least. And hope, I mean, if the allegations are true, I hopefully he never plays in the NBA again. Um, but like, I, I don't know. I just don't like anything about this this team really like the offseason they had i don't know if clifford is great as like the is he the coach you want for a player with lamello skill set i'm not sure i do think he can help him a lot defensively he is a really good defensive coach um i i don't know the the one thing i will say they will be much better at defensive rebounding like steve clifford if you look at his track record his teams are awesome at defensive rebounding every single year no matter where he is, no matter what the personnel is. So I think that helps. He knows kind of like the lay of the land of the organization. So maybe there's some bump there, but like this roster just feels, it feels like they should want to lose games maybe this year. You know what I mean? And can LaMelo make a leap enough to offset and maybe exceed what they miss from not having bridges? I I don't know. Uh, He'd have to reach like, if not MVP level, like just a level below that, I think to yeah. make that happen. And and then you have like the center which he's capable of, but it's not something I bank on. The center situation is just like who is starting? You know, like they've spent first round picks in consecutive years on Kai Jones and Mark Williams, and then they drafted um, who's the Nick Nick Richards, uh, quickly teammate in college from Kentucky. He's a second round pick. Apparently, there's some smoke that he might actually be in the lead. Like he's like they they internally are more bullish on him, I guess, in the moment right now than they are on the other two guys. I don't know. I, I just don't that that doesn't make me feel good because again, young centers kind of a recipe for disaster defensively. Lamelo obviously not the best perimeter defender, so now you've, you're you're really weak in two critical areas of your team defensively. The wings are like. Fine, I guess. If Hayward plays a lot, then I might take the over. But, like, I just don't know how you can depend on him playing a lot. And, you know, it, it just I, – this I know that Jordan hasn't tanked historically, but I do wonder if, like, this is a year where if they get out to a bad start, he's just like, look, let's, let's cash in on a Rogier. Let's see what we can get for him. Let's see if we can dump Gordon Hayward or something. Let's see what we can get for some of these vets. Um, and then we can reset and go from there. So I, I wonder if he would do that. I'm not sure, but um, it'll definitely be interesting to, to see what they do. So I, I'm going to go under, uh, and I feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I, I would go under too. I just think there's more, way more outcomes where things go wrong. Um, I will say I, I read reports today about uh, Book Night. That showing encouraging signs, and I think that for from a franchise perspective, they have paths to this being a successful season. And like, if you're the Hornets, 
and you're you have humility and self-awareness you know you're not going to win anything missions one two and three have to be keeping lamella long term so the goal should be to show that you have enough players who can be there with him who he can build rapport with um so in my opinion the best part of this season for them will be if it's a lost season and you start to see more Mark Williams, more James Booknight, uh, more Nick Richards, like you were talking about, less Kelly Oubre, shut Gordon Hayward down, shut Mason Plumley down, let LaMelo build rapport with these young guys. And none of what I just said correlates with an over 36 and a half win season. So I feel pretty good about taking the under. I think if they go over, it's just LaMelo made a leap that was very impressive, which obviously is possible. I just don't think it's happening, you know, a huge percentage. It's just it's also a lot to think. put on him, you know? Yep, for sure. But I do think that they can be fun to watch, and they can, at the end of the season, be a team that we say, you know what, like, they're actually in an okay spot going forward, but they have to be willing to embrace it. Yeah, I'd agree with all that. I think there's another team we talk about a lot that uh... – Maybe they need to embrace that. So. <laughs> All right. Uh, Orlando, 26 and a half. I'm over on this. Um, not because I think they're going to like blow this out of the water. I think the play-in hype is a little bit too much for them. But like, I think Franz, uh, what he showed at Eurobasket, and normally like I don't think Eurobasket means too much when you're talking about coming back to the NBA. But like when you're hitting step multiple step-back threes on Giannis, like that – no, that that means something. Um, I buy that. I think he had a really awesome rookie year. I think he's going to be even better this year. I like. I think there's no way Suggs can be worse than he was. So that's like a natural kind of improvement there. They're going to get. I know Fultz already has some weird injury thing. Like he stubbed his toe or something. He's out now for three weeks. But um, he'll be. He'll play more games, and I think he's pretty solid for them. Even though he obviously the lack of shooting is a big issue. Uh, I like Paolo. I think Paolo, look, rookies, again, I hate saying this, like most rookies are not helpful in terms of impacting winning. Um, But like they desperately needed more shot creation, and I think he gives them some of that. So, and given their like just the build of their team with just how much size they have all over the place, uh, I think think they can protect him pretty well defensively maybe more they're more equipped to do that than other teams would be in a similar situation uh i like wendell carter jr he had a really nice year i think he's going to keep improving uh now that he's escaped jim boylan's clutches uh and yeah i mean i just i just like a lot of the different pieces on this team um cole anthony's not my favorite player but like he's a fine rotation guard you know, I like uh, Cole in his role. Yes, yeah, exactly. No, I do. I like that's perfect for him. Like he, but he's probably gonna have to start. But I think ideally he'd be coming off the bench somewhere. But you know, he's a solid NBA rotation player, uh, and I think they just have enough enough of those caliber of guys with the fact that some of these dudes are young and they can really pop. Um, Isaac looks like he's probably not gonna be ready for the start of the year or maybe ever. But I don't know how much that really matters. Um, as far as them hitting the over here. So I'm over on this. I am the under. Um, I think this is still a super young team. 
I am interested to see Wendell Carter Jr. Uh, I think him and Franz are like the two guys who I see being able to contribute to wins right now. Um, I think it is incredible that Terrence Ross is somehow still on this roster um, and still only 31. Um, that alone is enough to make me think that they get at least one win against the Knicks where he just scores like 40 points in the second half. Um, but this is still a lot of um, a lot of young, unproven, even, even Franz. Like if that, is Franz Wagner their best player? Okay, then, I mean, that's, or if it's, if, it's either him or a rookie in Paolo. Um, I think this is still a team that is, I, I'm interested to see what happens with their front court. Isaac gave a very cryptic quote today about, you know, he's going to play in the next six months. Um, but it's just, um, it's still too young. Uh, the, the things that would make me change that are Carter really turning into like a super mature, maybe not even guy loads up the stat sheet, but the kind of guy that really raises your floor as, as a team. Um, he's not the same type of player, but kind of like what Jared Allen gave to the Cavs. Um, and then Franz or, or Franz taking a leap. Uh, I do discount your basket a little bit. Um, you know, uh, I, I've, I mean, I've been high on Franz since the draft. I am fifth in that draft class. I don't know that I see him taking the leap where like, you know, where he's like the level of, um, you know, think about like one of the, um, think about like, it, I don't think he'll be better than like LaMelo this year. So I'm going to stay, um, on the, um, the under there. I will note that this team has, Four Michigan players. Schwinn, let me throw you for quick trivia. Can you name all of them? Uh, Michigan, not Michigan State, right? Yeah. Um, they do have uh, a Michigan State player, but they four from Michigan. All right, let me, let me think. Franz, obviously, uh, is most on this team? Yeah. Okay, so that's two. Um, trying to think. Did they draft somebody this year? Like yep. Michigan? It, did they take Houston? Yep. Houston. Okay, so that's Houston. This is, he's not a street in New York, so. He might as well be. Um, uh, that's three. Who's the fourth? I genuinely have no idea. Who the fourth, the fourth player was drafted by the Knicks. Oh, is Brasdakis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, Who got cooked by Obi last year? That was fun. yeah, yeah, I did. Um, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, 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 I like the over here, but we'll see. I, I, it's always hard with these young teams because you just have no idea which way they're gonna go. Um, they they have a lot. Of, they have a lot of like players. They just have a lot of players. Yeah, <laughs> I know that sounds stupid, but like. Like Okiki's good. We haven't said his name. Yeah, I like Okiki. Gary Harris is Gary Harris is actually sort of. I mean, he was awesome for Denver. I remember, like he, he was worthy of the contract they gave him, and then they gave it to him and he fell off a cliff. But he's kind of revitalized his career a little bit in Orlando. Suggs can't be worse, like we said. Fultz is going to play more. Franz and Wendell Carter should both be better. Paolo is better than who they like. Twenty six and a half is a really small number. I I, I would feel pretty good about the over. Uh, Plan not so much, but. Man, I, I feel I feel like twenty six and a half is pretty low. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm over. All right, let's wrap this up. Last one, the most boring, pointless team in the entire NBA. Uh, Washington Wizards, thirty five and a half. <coughs> I think I'll go over. Uh, they have no incentive to lose. 
they have enough like solid NBA players. Um, I just don't like they just have no direction. I or they do have a direction. The direction just sucks. It's like they just want to keep trying to win as many games as possible with Bradley Beal. Um, so cool, good for them. I'm not particularly high on what the hell they can achieve. I don't particularly like their young talent, but um, they do have a lot of like just big wing type dudes. They are going to again. They have. They're not going to tank. That's been proven time and time again. I think Beal will probably play more games than he did last year. Kristaps was pretty good for them when they after they acquired him. Kuzma is legit. Yeah, yeah, Kuz is legit. I think this team wins. I think they're going to be pretty firmly in the playing mix. So I'm going over. What what how what do they have to pick at for their draft pick to convey? No, that that's Detroit. Um, theirs I think is like fourteen or or six. Theirs is not as heavily protected. Um, but um, I would I would. What was the over under again? Yeah, that if it was like thirty six or thirty seven, I'd think a little bit harder. But I think they're going to be in that play and mix. I think they're going to miss it. I think they're comfortably behind a, a team like the Knicks. Also, think they're probably behind a team like Chicago. Um, but I think that they're like a game or two better than that. Um, I do think like there's something to be said about just having good veteran players, which they have. Like they're they like you mentioned, um, and they they have some upside, right? I mean, if you get um, yeah, when you like you said, Porzingis played well for them. If you, he he played 51 games, if you get 60, 65 games from him, maybe right, especially you know if you can play him more limited minutes, um, and you play him next to Beal, that's a, that is not a combo you want to defend. Um, you play him next to some of their, you know, you, you give them some rim protection from him, right? Uh, I think Daniel Gafford is actually a pretty underrated center. Um, we'll see if Denny or someone can make a leap. Johnny Davis did not look good in summer league, but that's a pick that many of us are very high on. Um, there is some upside with this team. I just wouldn't count on it, but, um, but there's some upside. So I'd probably take the over. There's, there's more, there's upside. There's also like Beal and Porzingis just don't play that much. They throw out a ton of games with, um, but um, I think that there's a, there's enough outcomes higher than it. And then the last thing I'll say is I actually really like the Monte Morris edition. Um, I think that guy's been an underrated player for a long time. Just one of those super high impact guys. Um, by doing things that you don't even notice in terms of running an offense, pushing the pace, um, you know, team defense, those kind of things, never turns the ball over. Um, I like that addition a lot. They, they have a lot of good players. And um, if Beal and Porzingis stay healthy, they're capable of making some noise. Uh, and sneaking into that plan. And Monty brings something that helps Kristaps specifically in that he spent his entire career with Jokic. Now, Porzingis will never be Jokic as much as that breaks the heart of 2017 me, who argued vehemently that Porzingis was better than Jokic. Another L for me. But he Morris can, like, hey... Jokic does this, you know, like that, that's not nothing. He can, you know, they, they can develop a screen and roll chemistry that again, obviously it's not going to approach what Morris had with Jokic, but it can enhance Porzingis as a player and get him to better spots and just make him a more productive player. Um, 
the Morris edition is awesome. I just think it's better for not only Porzingis, everybody in the lineup. And like I was saying with the Magic, but to a higher degree, they just have so many guys who can, can and probably should play. Like, okay, you don't have to include Taj, but I mean, Taj is a good backup big. He has, he was the last two years for the Knicks. I know he's getting a little old. But if you include rookie Johnny Davis, which I think are, all of us would, and include Kispert, which I think all of us would, they have 11 rotation players who are solid. Um, or either solid or just need to play because they're young and could be solid to really good. Um, so I think you described it perfectly, Stacey. Like they're, they're a pretty uh, safe median team, but there is actually a little bit of upside there. So I would take the over. Um, and yeah, I, I think they're going to be, you know, fighting for a playing spot pretty comfortably. Yeah. All right. That takes us through the East. We will be doing the Western Conference at some point in the next week or two. Uh, Jeff, thanks so much for hopping on. Let the people know where they can find you and plug anything that you'd like to plug. Um, yeah, I'm at Frank Barrett, 11, 9. Um, I will continue to plug everything Strickland does. It's been really great lately, even though I haven't been contributing as much. But um, for our Patreon, I have, and I am not selling this short, this is the best thing I have ever written for the Strickland. It is an entire piece on Emmanuel Quickly and why he is way better than a lot of people think he is, including the New York Knicks. So if you're interested in reading in-depth stats and analytics about how good Emmanuel quickly has been and watching film that backs it up. Uh, stay tuned because uh, I'm on a little bit of a vacation here, but I'm flying home and I'm going to finish it up and send it in sometime this week. Sweet. Awesome, man. Looking forward to that. Uh, I'm always down for Emmanuel quickly content. Stacy, anything you'd like to plug before we get out of here? No, nah, I'm going to plug your mom after this. Nice. Good job. Uh, I have nothing to plug. Other than Stacy's mom, uh, but that she is does have it today. going on. So she does. Uh, that is our show for today. Hope everybody has a great week, and I will see you on Friday. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. Yeah, it's a mini fridge. It's a mini yeah. fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.